please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema decade by decade, year by year, and I am one half of your hosts, Liam Delaney. As and I'm Oliver Jones. No, he's not. He's mild man a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't tell people my secret identity. <laughs> Animator by day, superhero by night. Um, yeah, yeah. Night. You put your large coat on and you hunch your back. You put your big yeah. glasses on. And no put one has a hat on. I put, put a different hat on. hat on when I'm a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not a baseball cap. Yeah. It's a beanie uh, with a bobble, bobble hat. <laughs> um, I'm okay. You all right? I'm okay. I'm, weather's bloody awful. I know. It's a bit miserable today, isn't it? Yeah, Apparently, it's, really, it's going to really be like this miserable. all week. Oh, great. That's, that'd be perfect. It's, it's ironic because I'm doing another stop motion video and the last time it was during a heat wave and all the plasticine melted and now it's really cold. Plasticine isn't like cold either and it just goes really hard. Oh, just getting And then it's even harder. It. <laughs> so it's like, you have to, it's like gold, plasticine's like Goldilocks. It, the, the atmosphere and the temperature mm. just has to be just, just, just right. Just has to be just right. It's like, you, that's so fucking, that's so annoying. And I bet most, I bet you like most studios aren't perfectly temperature controlled to deal with it. I don't know, maybe Leica is. Well, like, I do mine in my rinky-dink office. I mean, you know, Ardman <laughs> have probably got a proper controlled environment. Actually, they don't use plasticine anymore anyway. They use silicon model mold. So they kind of, in the, in the original models that they make, they'll probably press their fingerprints in it to kind of give it that kind of handmade texture. And then they'll make molds from it and just cast it. Uh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, and they, they, won't, did, when they, they did, won't manipulate it, will they? Is it just replacing heads and parts and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean they still remove. They can. St- it's got an armature in it, so they can kind of move the oh, arms okay. up and down and stuff. But it's made out of silicon. But it just it looks a bit. It looks like plasticine, but it's not plasticine anymore. Cheaters. Cheaters. I just assumed it was still plasticine. Nah. Anyway, today's topics. We won't. We'll cut right to it because it's Superman, and I'm excited. <laughs> but um. Like we, this is our last seventies episode, actually. It is. Well, apart from when we do the wrap up. Yeah, we'll do we'll do some trackies. We'll give some yeah. awards out. Even though it's going to be quite difficult to give awards out for this one because all of them are pretty. Which is the most rapiest film of the seventies? Oh god, there's a rape <laughs> joke in this. Is there? Did you, yes. I was just no? like, come on. Um, right, at, not right at the beginning. That is a lie. When you were introduced to Lois Lane, um, and. Uh, she's writing a piece up for the, and they're correcting her spelling. And Perry White's like, "There's, there's one p in raping." Or yes, something like that. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, "Jesus Christ, rape culture!" Like the seventies is just like everything. Superman has got like rape in it. Like it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, if you want to look at like Superman Returns, that could, like, the fact that he kind of, because he kisses her in the second one, doesn't he? And it kind of makes her lose her memory. Yeah, so that, then, that's really So you you assume that they obviously had sex at that point because in Superman Returns they have a child. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Which yeah. she has, so she has no knowledge of having sex with Superman or Clark or whatever he was at the time. I'm guessing in between. Um, so I'm guessing that's in between adventures he gave her memory bit, back. A little bit rapey. 
Yeah, I hate mind wipe stuff like that. That's um, one of my pet peeves. They do it in I... like um, Doctor Who a lot. They do a lot right. of like just like mind wiping and stuff, and it's ridiculous. I think it's horrible, really. It's lazy as well. Yeah, it's so lazy. It's so ridiculously lazy. Like, either just don't like write the plot so they don't find out, or make it not matter. Don't just do it like a magic MacGuffin that makes them not remember anymore. Or just, Especially keep, just a have them remember and add some drama and some. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you're gonna do something, make it matter. Don't, don't just wipe just it out. Don't go back to the status quo because then that's just boring. It's just sitcom you know? writing. Yeah. <laughs> not that actually, sitcom writing tends to be better, but you know. Yeah, Superman Two is weird. I watched Superman Two again, actually. Um, Did you? I didn't. I was. Uh, my plan was to watch all of them because I've never seen Superman Four. Quest for yeah, Peace. Four is. Hmm. I watched a bunch of the um, behind-the-scenes features. Oh, from cool! Superman, oh, cool! So. I didn't watch any. I never do. You always do. That's your job. <laughs> I, I. Well, I mean, I love watching behind-the-scenes. Yeah. The, the problem is when, if you watch a making of from when the film's made straight away, it's kind of a very matter-of-fact. But then when you watch a making-of from a film that's like 20, 30 years old at the time of that making-of, it's a bit uh, lovey-dovey. They, yeah, they, they kind of the look pretense. back at it with a bit rose-tinted glasses. or Sure. You know, so the, like for the making of Superman, they're like, this was, they kept saying every five seconds, this was made without computers. You've got to remember, <laughs> this was made without computers. And it's like, we, we get it, we get the point. We get yeah, it. Was, you didn't use computers. Okay. Because <laughs> like the way they did it back then was the more um, layers and iterations you had to have on a physical, because it was all using film, the kind of mm-hmm. the quality deteriorated. That's why a lot of the times they'd film all their special effects in 70 millimeters. So that when by the time it gets scaled down to uh, 35, it still looks sure. pretty good, which is like yeah. a lot like how I work. I'll film in 4K. Yeah, but but my film I'll output in 1080 because I can scale it down and move around with the so it's no different really. But, um, but I guess um, the only difference is that it actually is physically degrade degrading as it gets past the department department and the yeah, art team yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like, but like so like I'm interested. I'd I'd love to see a feature film of that scale using like old school techniques. And obviously they'd still use I computers would. now to kind of marry oh, it yeah, together. But I think it'd be yeah. quite cool to see what they could do. It's like we were talking about the other week, like um, Puppet Yoda's great, and I really like yeah. Puppet Yoda in um, the what was the the Last Jedi? Oh yeah, of course it was a puppet in that as well. Yeah, yeah. and you can really tell like the difference between Yoda in um, Phantom Menace and the rest of the um, prequels. It has no um, there's no uh, just there's nothing to it as a as a character. It feels much less of a character and less of a thing. There's something yeah. that's like, so good about physicality in film. Well. But Yoda was a puppet in the Phantom Menace, but they've changed it now, haven't they? So he's like a. I didn't know they changed it. So they replaced I thought he was him still the, the puppet. C- no, he's the CGI model. But the puppet they did, he looked nothing like Yoda. That puppet, he looked so bizarre. <laughs> and it's only meant to be like thirty years before A New Hope, isn't it? No, it's not. I don't know. Is it like thirty or forty years before A New Hope? It can't but be like, that long, sure. But yeah, like, it can't be too long. But like, how old Yoda is? I don't think he'd have changed that much. No, those and um, whatever Yoda species is absolutely they they age quickly. Like they take like nine hundred years to get to one age, and then within and like, just, thirty years they just go downhill really quickly. It's like a cat, really. They're fine for like yeah. twelve years, yeah. and then the last few years they're like, no, nah, I've, I've given up. Yeah, now. when when it gives up, yeah, they just go downhill in a, in a second. I was quite funny watching this film actually talking about it because we spoke last week about which version to watch because there are many oh, yeah. versions of this film. And like the first way I was going to watch it is just watching on Amazon. 
I did watch and that was on the end. But if you type Superman into like Prime Video, it comes up with the most random bullshit when you try and search stuff. I noticed that. <laughs> I don't understand why their search algorithm is so awful for, for Prime. But it comes up with the first thing it comes up with is the problem with Superman's hair. Like yeah, some why, fan video. Why is it not like even, you know, why is it not Superman the movie or Man of Steel? Yeah. Why is it like some fan made? It's so fucking Bullshit. weird. Like that's the number one search on Prime for Superman. Is this is this thing, which makes no <laughs> sense. And then you get like Arrow season one and Green Lantern. Then something called Valentine the Dark Adventure. Then Unlikely Hero with Ryan Reynolds in it, which I've never seen. Yes, and he's kind it. of got like a blue and red, like red pants. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yellow and, hair. and blonde hair. Yeah. It's bloody like, and I not even on the first page do you get any of Superman, like not Man of Steel or Justice League or Batman versus Superman or any of the like Reeves ones. It's it's anyway. We should talk. I said we weren't going to ramble, and we have. <laughs> but um, I hadn't seen Superman since I don't know. I don't know when. Like, I I think it's been absolute years. It's not in like my recent memory. Last time I watched this film, like, and some, it's, it's a different film than I remember it being. Uh, in what way? It's a lot longer <laughs> than I ever remember it being. And even the, I'm glad we didn't say let's watch the director's cut because that's like three uh, three hours and something. No, Where that's even... the TV one. There's... Is it? Know, yeah, I don't know. I think the it's the other way around. Okay. I think the TV one's slightly shorter. And... Well, I, I always thought that was longer because in America, like I think I've said it before, but they kind of they had it over two nights, so it was like a two night event in America. That is amazing. Yeah. That though, though you can imagine it with this film because it is episode episodic as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a three act structure really, and it's kind absolutely of yeah, it really is. Um. It, by by absolute design, it's not an accident at all. Like, um, but like um, I want to kind of, I love Superman. Like in personal history, I really love Superman. I wouldn't say he's my favorite superhero. That's up for debate. Who my favorite? No, superhero. but he's the most important, though, isn't he? He is, and he's so damn iconic. Um, and there's no there's no character like Superman that exists in in anything. Like it, like Batman is, you know, arguably as old, you know, well, not arguably, he is by like a year. I think it was the difference between Action Comics one and, and Detective Twelve, whatever it is. Um, and uh, but like, there's both of those characters. Yeah, they they play a massive part in like world culture, which is just not. It definitely wasn't a thing before recent times, and mm. the fact that like prior to you know the internet. You had a character that was known in every part of the world. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No matter you can go to any part of Asia or any part of Africa or any part of South America or Europe, and people would know who Superman was from just like a, a logo. Yeah. You know, um, and that's kind of special. And I'd I'd say since like Batman and Superman, there's only two other logos that I think you could probably show around the world and they know what it is, and that's probably Ghostbusters and Jurassic Park. Do you know what yeah, I mean? They've kind of got like those iconography. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, and now you've made me forget what I mean. I cannot. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, and that for that reason, that I'm I'm really precious about Superman. Um, yeah. And I think like I get annoyed when people don't treat Superman properly, especially be like, 
what's been really annoying me about the recent, like, the Warner Bros. films, and really the Zack Snyder films more than anything else, is the fact that, like, Superman should be your tentpole. Um, he should be the most important thing in your DC universe. Oh, yeah, and, 100%. And every time I watched one of the new films, it just felt like he didn't want to be doing Superman. He had to do Superman. And it felt like he didn't get Superman. Um, and he and he really was just wanting to do Batman. That's all he really cared about. And he was just biding his time, like treading water to be able to do Batman. Well, I Which, think... I like, get why people want to do Batman. But you know, when you were talking about Dan Harmon last week, when you were saying, like, with TV, you should start the TV show at the point you want your characters to be at, kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I think with Superman, what they tried to do with the new ones is they kind of... Oh, they wanted to build yeah. him up. So by the time the third film comes out, he's the Superman you really, really, you know. You it wasn't want. even by the third film. It was by the time yeah. of the fifth film, I think, the plan was that you but, wouldn't. And that's yeah. ridiculous. Like, that's you know, ridiculous. He should have at least been the Superman we love by the end of Man of Steel. Yeah, absolutely. He should have, like, I don't like, obviously, you know, you have to have character growth and progression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. You can't just have him. Well, yeah, you the could the idea it, that he but... doesn't grow as Superman himself—that's the silly part of yeah, Superman. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what people don't. That's bad writers of Superman don't get. Is they just they see this iconic character who's basically so good and so perfect and so like strong and powerful, and they struggle in knowing how to combat and write that character. Whereas that's the problem. You know, you need clever people to be writing that, and the people that can do it nail it like better than almost any other character. I say. To, to not completely shit on the Snyder stuff, there's a few things I like about them, I have to say. And one, they're all kind of, they're not story or character things. It's I think they look okay. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is amazing. The Hans Zimmer score is fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's bombastic yeah. and stuff, but it's, and like, it's proper gym music. If you put it on in the gym, it gets you pumped. Um, <laughs> okay. And I think the cast is pretty good, and I think they've got a good cast. But other than that, I think they're really, like, I think... Um, the casting for um, Jonathan Kent's really good. Uh, I think Henry Cavill's pretty good, and I think you know the Amy Adams is a fantastic actor. But it's just a shame they're completely let down by people who don't really understand. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're the, totally right. Do you know? Because, um, it, it, they had everything going for it except for that. Yeah, and the, you're right. the biggest thing for me is the whole Jonathan Kent thing. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we can get into that. We can definitely get into Kent because I I absolutely agree. Um, with the way they did it in Man of Steel is so incorrect. It's ridiculous. But I thought I thought it might be quite funny if I give you some background on Superman. Um, but like, um, I won't, you know, I won't be like, okay, Action Comics 1. I mean, everyone knows <laughs> it's created by, you know, uh, Schuster and uh, Siskel. Is it Siskel? No, Siegel, Siegel, yeah, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, in, I think it's, you know, they were paid $10 a page. Um, and they were paid $130 for, to write this comic, basically because they needed to push through a comic into the pages of Action Comics 1. Almost accidentally, he was chosen for the front cover. It was just an exciting image. Um, they Even to, even they were selling out tons. You know, it was the biggest selling comic book ever. It sold about millions, I think. Um, and uh, they didn't even know it was Superman that was selling it because it was an anthology issue. Or not, okay. You know, like, you know, there was always different characters. So they didn't really know it was Jack, the Superman that was actually the big selling point. It took them a while to kind of catch up to that was the thing. And Action Comics 2 was not going to be Superman until they realised that, oh my God, we've got something with this. Well, I'm and guessing, it's kind like, of... I'm guessing like with the detective comics as well, like 
that was like an anthology one, wasn't it? Like lots mm-hmm. of different stories in one. And it wasn't until they realized people actually were gravitating towards these specific characters. They decided, yeah. okay, they need their own. They need their own book. Yeah, book, yeah. yeah. And that never used to be the, like Superman is basically the first character to get his own book. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, and because I don't think he was the first superhero, though, was he? Because I think the Phantom may have even predated him. And the Phantom predates him. I, I'm yeah. This is a, I, I like this argument. I think he is the first superhero, but there are characters that predate him. Yeah, he's the first. Like I have superpowers. I you know, well actually did the Phantom have powers? I can't remember. The Phantom can talk to animals, but I don't right. know if he could in the 30s. But does that make Do Doctor like... Little a superhero? <laughs> well, no, because it's presentation, isn't it? Right. Like, that's that's why Superman nails it. He, he presents himself as a hero. He's actually saving people. He yeah, has yeah. powers and stuff like that. The Phantom's more of a pulp hero, I would say. Yeah. Like he's And Batman's kind of a pulp hero as well. It's not until he merges with the superhero genre a little bit into it. And I mean, very arguably, Superman starts out as a pulp hero. And that's what I love about Superman as well, which is what people always fail to nail, is the fact that his early adventures, his earliest action comics adventures, he was beating up like landlords. He was, <laughs> you know, he was like like slum lords who were like uh, charging too much rent and knocking down buildings. They were his enemies. You well, know, like, he was. He, he didn't fly, did he? Until like the radio no, dramas. I don't. Until the radio drama, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like he, it, like he would beat up like um. Uh, like wife abusers and stuff like that in the early comics and things like people beating their wives and stuff that was like what superman went against he was like a hero for the common man um and he's always been in that way he's always been seen as like the kind of leftist hero compared to more of a right-wing batman yeah basically in the way those two things go together and i think when you lose that air of him i think is when you fail to write superman really well Mm. And that's why I dislike the fact that I don't mind what Miller did in in uh, in Batman: Dark Knight Returns. You know, like it's fine painting him as this, like you know, oh, uh, the boy scout, the, American, the boy scout yeah, of the yeah. American army, yeah, who's a bit too blinded to patriotism. That's fine painting him like that, but that's that's that version of it for that alternate future. And mm-hmm. so often that character has been pushed into the way we write Superman every day, and it's such bullshit because he's never like that. And it's just you know same with Batman in for that matter really. I mean I think like if you if you really want to like like I don't I never read Superman like I used to read Batman but like mm. for me the big the big books like and I'd say that for me like I really liked uh, Superman uh, a Man for All Seasons and I think it's yeah, kind of told yeah. from like four different perspectives like from Lois Lane's Lex Luthor's and other perspectives and it's by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Then there's Birthright, which I really liked, which is kind of like an origin yeah, story. Good. Yeah. And uh, my favorite though is All Star Superman. Hands yeah, down, it's my, it's my favorite Superman, Superman story ever. Yeah, and it's, it's basically it's the end. It's the last ever. It's like his it's twelve issues, and it's like his last twelve great. Uh, yeah, so it's, it it's basically it? Superman gets cancer and has a year to live. Um, yeah, because he goes too and, close to the sun. Is that right? And he kind of gets yeah, he gets too much of an overdose of of like some lethal radiation that was set up by Lex. Actually, like mm. um, the end of it, he it's what I love about All Star Superman is the fact that it's telling this really human story. That's the best thing to do with Superman is like pull out this humanity in him, which is what they do in this film. But like they do it in this fantastical way, like mixing that kind of trippy sci-fi 
with that emotion of humanity and then this grounded kind of crime stuff he's all just jammed in that and it's all about how he's seen from other people like the whole of all-star superman is all about you know lex luther's relationship to him lois lane's relationship to him, his relationship to his parents his relationship to um other members of krypton and his relationship to like the scientist whose name's going on my head um who's inspired by him and there's little scenes in all-star superman like him Stopping that girl committing suicide. Oh, it's like fan- that. that's one of my favourite panels in a in a comic. <laughs> I'm the same. Um, and uh, th- and th- the fact that Grant Morrison was able to just nail this core of of Superman while bringing up. I love the kind of the Mort just stuff. That's the 1950s Superman when it was just all big sci-fi and colours and everything like that. Um, the fact that that Grant Morrison could go to like Mort's stuff and then bring that into like. A, everything about superman and make it this kind of colorful like uh sci-fi loud crazy kind of elements of of like fantasy it was it works so well and, and that's the, the what whole grant morrison's really good at though like you know it is like when he bought he kind of legitimized the batman of the razin zura <laughs> whatever and it's like yeah. and it's kind of like batman's reboot kind of setting and i thought that was pretty cool like i know a yeah. lot of people who don't like uh grant morrison as a writer but i think he's because he get he, I think he gets the heart of it, but he's still able to do all this really weird stuff, but still have it yeah. really grounded and respect the character for like. What I, what I love about his stuff is that it uses comic books, like, yeah. and it get it, it. Yeah, he absolutely nails the heart of it. I mean, All Star Superman's about his dad dying basically, um, and that's why he wrote it, and that's why it's right. full of all that emotion, and uh, but like, the fact that he then just uses the medium to be wacky and wild and trippy and great visuals and and just like and you know a bit crazy and a bit like high concept that works in comics you know so much better than it works in other mediums i don't think all star would work very well as a film the 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 comp you know the cartoon's okay the cartoon doesn't get it though you know it's not as good as the comic and yeah it kind of it kind of it kind of ignores the whole point of it i think yeah it just doesn't they kind of like it focuses more on the other um, Kryptonians coming, I think. Yes. Which yeah, I think yeah, is yeah, only yeah, one yeah. issue of the book, really. And it's, you know, because there's a whole thing where he meets, is it Samson? And yes. he has like a, because he like, he, he gives uh, Lois Lane the powers of, of her, yeah, himself. Of him, yeah. DJ, so, and, um, but they go and visit Samson and they kind of like have like a, basically like a showing off match, don't they? Where they're kind of like, <laughs> Well, I think there's like, one um, with Jimmy Olsen where Jimmy Olsen turns into a monster or something. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. one of the old Jimmy Olsen comics. Yeah, yeah. And like the the um the big thing about that comic is about seeing the world how Superman sees it. So he gives Lois Lane like the ability to see to, to feel like what it is to be him for a day. Um, and at the end of the comic, Lex gets that as well. Lex becomes all powerful and it and it drives him to tears because he suddenly realizes how like beautiful and connected the world is and stuff. And he's like, I can't believe this is how you see the world every single day you live. No wonder you're like, you know, the way you are. And like, to nail that humanity of him is really good. To nail that kind of powerfulness of Superman and then mix it with this fragility of the way that he sees the world every day is um is gets to the core of why this Superman, the superhero works when he works, you know. Did you ever read uh, Red Sun? Yeah, yeah, totally. I bought yeah. to you, actually. Probably, yeah. The, but I thought, I thought that was a good, uh, good book. I think they've, they've, well. they've. I think it I, has it been made into an animated film. It either has or it's coming. Uh, it has. Right? I'm sure it has. It has. 
Um, I haven't seen it. I don't watch many of the animated films. I used to watch a lot of them, but I kind of just dropped out at some point. I, I, yeah, there, there was a point which I, I really quite enjoyed them, and then, um, like, I was going to ask you, what was your, what was your earliest memories of Superman? What was, what kind of <sighs> springs to mind when you think of Superman? Probably the Reeves film, I think. The it first probably, one. Yeah, probably. Though I have to admit, like, I, I. It went, until watching today, I didn't. I had both the movies wrapped in my head a little bit together, because um, I forgot that number two opens with basically a, re, a recap of the first film. Does it? So like, like it's about ten minutes or so. That it's just like a <laughs> like an absolute recap and shows some of the stuff that happened in the first film. So I think quite often I might have watched the second one and kind of just like thought I'd watched the first one still. See, for so, me, like, my, I've got cousins who are a little bit older than me, and uh, they were really into comic books and stuff, and they were always running around in, like, like you know, like, those old pyjamas from, like, the 70s and the early 80s, yeah, that, yeah. like, with the red rings around the wrists, and yeah, yeah, they would always have those on and stuff like that, and, like, for some reason, that image is burnt into my head, and, like, they'd have... Um, the toys like the super friends toys and there was one where i think sure. if you put a kryptonite ring next to superman he had like a reverse magnet but it was reversed inside of him so if you put the ring i had that him, toy yeah, he, yeah. Fell <laughs> he fell over i had that toy yeah um, <laughs> and i'm sure you could even get superman a superman car with that toy and it's like why does superman superman mobile yeah but totally like, you know um I'm trying to think, there wasn't there weren't many superman cartoons if i remember i think there was like there was the, the new Max Fleischer ones and stuff like that I, Max I, was Fleischer. I i have got this let's because i love i wanted to talk to you a little bit about superman in media like before superman the reeves yeah, film we can do so i like, mean i think they're beautiful but they're kind of because they're kind of like mad scientist of the week kind of episodes yeah. aren't they yeah yeah but the they're all in public. Is... Yeah, so yeah, it's it was produced by Fleischer, who were really who were famous for doing like Popeye and stuff like that at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, the cartoon ran from 1941 to 1943. I think what's really great about that is literally as soon as Superman existed, they pushed him into like other medium. You know, they absolutely capitalized this as soon as they could. And uh, Paramount, the the rights to Superman, are crazy, which is part of the history of making this film. But Paramount had some rights at the moment, and basically they took it to um, the Fleischers and say, like, can you do this cartoon for us? The Fleischers didn't want to do it, so they put down a ridiculous bid. They basically told them, like, we would do it at 100k an episode, and <laughs> they uh, the shorts were only, what, six minutes, I think they are? I'm guessing they were in the cinema, weren't they? So they were, like, showing yeah, they were, yeah. films and stuff. Which that that hundred k is equivalent to nearly two million an episode today, like that's how expensive so... they were. But they, like, yeah, they look beautiful. Like, without that, you wouldn't have Batman the Animated Series, I don't think, because it, it no. borrows so much from that, like the aesthetics yeah. and the, the way they're drawn and stuff. It's so yeah, it's like it's like painted. It they're, they're beautiful. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of rotoscope in there. There is, there is. There I is. was going to say a lot of it was rotoscoped, uh, a lot of it was painted as well. Like, and it's, um, and it won them an Academy Award nomination in 1941 uh, really? for best short subjects and stuff. They're all, they're all public domain. I really do recommend watching well, them. Really, I've got the uh, Blu-ray set, and it's kind of got oh, all, cool. all the Reeves at films and shitty uh, returns, but it's kind of got <laughs> them all on there, and. Um, yeah, there's a, a great one with the, like anything with giant robots in and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm in. 
And there's I mean, a great one yeah, with yeah. a giant robot. Sorry. And that giant robot's referenced in so much stuff since. It even kind of oh, yeah. looks like the um the, the Laputa robots from Ghibli. It does um, actually, doesn't it? Which I wonder if there is a connection to it. But um yeah, like uh, Bud Collier played Superman in that, and Bud Collier would go on to play Superman a lot during this time period. Like up until like I think Bud Collier was still playing Superman in Super Friends. So he started in the forties and was still doing it in like the seventies and stuff. Well, there was like a weird live action one, I think, and then when he starts, when he I've flies, he becomes animated. So, like you know, yes. we were talking about live yep. action mixed with cartoons last week. Well, it's going out to the thirties or forties. They were doing it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Fleischer cartoons were the one who gave Superman his most like flight. By the way, um, oh, was it that? I thought it was the Brand yeah. Show. So when, when they um, when they started working the series, Superman was only just jumping over buildings, you know, um, and. When they were trying to animate that, it just looked silly, basically. So they went back to Action Comics, and National Comics at the time, whatever they were called, and just said, can we have him fly because it just looks a lot better? And they went, yeah, okay. And then, then that's it. So from then on, he flew. I'm just looking <laughs> he, at stills of it. It's so... Oh, it just look, Like, I love that black S. Yes. Well, not it's the black S, but it? the black around the The S. black background, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, so then, like, that was so popular, and and the the second cuts, the second season that actually weren't made by Fleischer, but everyone just refers to them as the Fleischers. Oh, really? But okay. The, the second one we call Famous, the Famous Studios, I'd like, but um, everyone just calls them the Fleischer cartoons. But then, uh, the serial, then it got into the serials, in like, um, and serials. If you don't know, serials were really big stuff in the forties. They used to just show them at, at the cinema, and each week it'd have a new episode of it. They tended to be quite short, like. Like they tend to be between two and three reelers. Like three reelers is like thirty minutes. Two reelers is like twenty minutes. Um, yeah. And they tended to be like the first episode to be a three reeler, and everything else be two reelers and stuff like that. Um, the first ever serials were Captain Marvel, you know, Shazam as we call them now. And uh, that and because the the Captain Marvel serials were so popular, then every other superhero started getting onto this, which was like you, you know you had Batman in nineteen forty three, which I'm sure you've seen. The Batman um, one's hilarious because there's, there's a a bit where you see Batman run, he jumps off like a, a ladder, and as he lands, he's obviously in his cape got a little pouch where he keeps his cigarettes because <laughs> you see all of his cigarettes just fall out of his cape. It's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, there's Batman in 1943 and Batman in 1949. He had two, there was like Captain America, there was the Phantom, there was uh, like, and uh, Superman didn't it like they've been trying to get a Superman one done since like 1941, which is when the the Captain Marvel one was done. But 1948 is the the Superman one came out and that was 15 part serial. Uh, Kirk Allen played Superman and uh, no, uh, Noel uh, Neil played Lois Lane and that revolves around this plot of him discovering kryptonite and fighting someone called the Spider Lady um, but it has like everything from the comics at the time. It's really like it has the Daily Planet, it has Jimmy, it has Jimmy Olsen it has Krypton, it has Marm Park Kent it has Park Kent dying, it has Jor-El and this is the one where all the kind of action scenes were animated so as soon as it would jump to an action scene it went into this cartoon <laughs> and and it is i kind of think they're really fun i have watched them and i do think they're really fun um and then they kind of no it was kind of a weird like they they didn't by the time they kind of got it out in 1948 serials weren't that popular anymore so they like really no one wanted to do it and it kept on getting shot around different studios and different people started buying up different elements of the rights and this is why the way it's got so complicated so at that point columbia did it as well and then, like they 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 made a sequel to it in 1951. There's something called Atom Man versus the Superman. Uh, notably, I think it's really funny that Atom Man gets the top billing in that. <laughs> um, 
which you know this big 1950s like nuclear paranoia stuff uh ataman's actually lex luther and um he like blackmails metropolis by threatening to destroy it with his with his atom bombs um okay and uh then you get and perry white sends like lois lane to cover the story or something and clark kent and and uh, they stop Lex Luthor, who's really German in it, if you watch it. He's got this really German accent, and Lex Luthor's really like, kind of a Nazi villain in it. Uh, that that was the that was the last serial, anyway. The, the second one is the first live-action film was 1951. Is that the Mole Man? Um, no. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, they, they, what was it called again? Something and the Mole Men? Uh, this is just Superman like, and the Mole Men. <laughs> Superman and the Mole Men, I think. The, it, yeah, Superman and the Mole Men. It was... Um, Again, it was independently produced, uh, but directed by a called Lee Shalom, who and written by the radio guys basically, who were writing under pseudonyms because they didn't because they weren't allowed to kind of write another stuff. But this is the one, this first episode of George Reeves playing Superman, and the storyline of that is like it's really it's like um, Clark Kent and Lois go to a little town and witness like they're drilling the world's biggest oil drill or something and the drill penetrates the earth core and these little kind of glowing weird creatures come out of it they're all bald and uh they they um they start terrifying the local townsfolk and the local townsfolk kind of get up arms to beat them all up but um superman kind of stops them from killing them all and that's really all it is like that and there isn't any like there's no massive more action there it's only like 50 58 minutes long but like um it's nothing's really recognizable in this story apart from Lois Lane, apart from the fact that it's echoing that kind of original Superman plots. Like Superman was never just like, but but like beating up massive like monsters. He was always you know stopping tragedy happening and stopping disasters and things. And they still get it in the nineteen fifty one. That's what they were doing. I was gonna say I heard his costume wasn't actually blue and red, and that it was kind of like more browns and stuff because. It photographed better in black and in white. In black and white, yeah, totally. I think they had a number of them because obviously they made some for posters, I think, as well. But most yeah, of the time yeah. they shot in the black and white ones. But yeah, George Reeves then played um, Superman for a long time after that. They they yeah. took the show onto the TV. Um, so 1952, he got a TV series. Uh, Noel Neal returned as Lois Lane in that. It's uh, from the original from the original serial. They ended up they got like six seasons. I think seasons one and two are black and white, and the rest were color. And it's like over a hundred episodes. If you've seen the film Hollywoodland, it's all based on this. And it's quite a good film, yeah. directed by Ben Affleck. Like, I don't um, think he directed it. He's he's in it. But he didn't he's in it. Okay. It, yeah. I thought he had something to maybe produce it or something. I thought he had something to do with the making of it. But yes, but, so he um, kind of played Superman and he's played Batman. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and he looked good as George Reeves. He looks good as Superman. Uh, this well, is all got, like he's got that he's got that old school Hollywood old school barrel chest. Yeah, chest absolutely. Yeah. Um, what really makes me laugh about the TV show is that it's again he's beating up crack cooks and bank like gangsters and and you know just being Clark Kent. But it was um, famously it was produced by Kellogg's. That's where they got the money from. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they so they used to have like George Reeves and and um, Noel Neal's like eating eating like cornflakes in between the episodes to advertise <laughs> them, but they'd never have them eating together because Kellogg's thought it was too suggestive. <laughs> like, <laughs> So you couldn't have them having breakfast together on the screen at the same time because that was too naughty, which I just think is hilarious, really. <laughs> um, uh, Neil, Noel Neil, and uh, Kirk Allen. The TV show was huge, and George Reeves was like a household name, but it, because of, he died, uh, the production basically was cancelled on it, and that's the oh, only okay. reason it ended. Yeah. Did he uh, commit suicide? You know what? I think so. 
but I didn't look it up. But I think it, it was tragic Cause, anyway. Yeah, because the, they, yeah, because there was like there's the the curse, isn't there? I said the that curse Superman. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then, obviously little... we'll get into you know Christopher Reeves and his totally. tragic accident, but um... and you know uh, Margaret Margaret Kidder as well. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah, into that like. Uh, but actually, uh, Noel Neal and uh, Kirk Allen, Kirk Allen was Superman from before, they're actually in the 1978 film. They play Lois Lane's parents. Uh, th- oh, on the train? A, it's not in the theatrical cut. It's only in the TV cut and all <laughs> the director's one. But um, they were filmed to be in it. So they did go back and try and pull out all these original actors to do stuff. So I, I, I just looked cool. it up. So the theatrical cut is two hours and 21 minutes. The director's yeah. cut is two hours and 29 minutes and then the, okay then the tv cut is like three hours it's, ten it's, okay that's the massive one you were right yeah it's so weird to me like and this film is long enough as it is to make it i think that just... i think the tv cut literally is it's like all the director's cut stuff and it's probably just lengthening out the scenes like either end yeah because normally yeah. what you do when you're editing is you kind of go okay yeah. what's the last point i can start this scene without yeah. it being awkward because you you your idea is you want to you don't want your film to be long you want it to be short enough so you can get as many screenings in a day don't you sure. but you still want to tell the story you want to tell so it's kind of like a, yeah you want scenes to breathe on their own and not feel like they're jammed in between yeah. other things as well which so if is, they start too quickly like, which is my biggest complaint with the dark knight rises i think if that film had a bit more space to breathe i think that would have been a bit of a Okay. For that film, because that film just feels like a big month. I like that film, but it feels like a big montage. But sure, I only bring that up because you know Batman and Superman they kind of go hand in hand, and I think we'll get into it. But Batman Begins is very similar to this film. Yep, very similar, Um, very inspired. I agree. But um, But a couple of things before, like the film as well. Like um, there was some cartoons as well in the sixties. So you had the New Adventures of Superman, which ran from sixty six to seventy. They were just six-minute animated things, but they're all packaged together in these kind of like superhero happy hour stuff. So you had the Batman Superman at house or something. <laughs> uh, um, the Superman back, the Aquaman hour of adventure, and like think about the Superman and Superboy stuff. There was tons of tons of like attempts to make Superboy stuff. It never Superboy really is weird because sometimes he's actually young Clark Kent, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then a lot now nowadays he's a different character, isn't he? Yeah, it so depends. Like... He, he was he used it's it's complicated as you say, but a lot of the Superboy stuff was meant to be his childhood and that's why it gets tied into the Legion of Superheroes. So like Superman was meant to spend a lot of his childhood in the thirty first century with a team of superheroes and they <laughs> kind of train him to be Superman right, okay. basically. And then after he's finished with them, he goes back to our time. Well, I always thought Legion of... So when he, you know, when he dies, he gets killed by Doomsday, and he comes back as the three, dif- the four different ones, and one's like a younger one with like a leather jacket. Yeah, that's the one that then becomes the Connor Kent. No, that's so uh, the the guy with the leather jacket. That is the clone of Superman and Lex Luthor. He's but isn't that Superman kind of what Luthor becomes Connor Kent, Kent though? Um. Yeah, he eventually takes the name Connor Kent. Yeah. Yeah, but and then then when we in the Infinite Crisis, getting really nerdy now, but (laughs) you know the Infinite Crisis when Superboy is the one who kind of causes it all. Mm -hmm. Superboy Prime. So is that meant to be Clark Kent technically? That's the other Superboy. (laughs) 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 
But yeah, basically, that's the other Superboy that's not Superboy Prime. That's the other okay. Superboy. Sorry, that's the other Superboy the other, that existed that wasn't young Clark Kent back in this time period before okay. the the clone version of him. But Superboy's just one of these characters that they keep trying to do, and he's never that popular. Right. And actually, Connell, I think you know, um, or Connor, Connor yeah. Kent, Connell's really the most successful version of Superboy. Yeah, um, he is. But they, I'm sure in the 80s, they, and maybe, I think in the 80s, they did a, like a TV version of mm-hmm. And I think it may have been by the same production company that mm-hmm. did these movies. It was, so, yeah. I'm sure someone famous played him. I think someone famous did, and I can't remember. It wasn't was a it? good film. <laughs> the The last cartoon I wanted to talk to as well is um, Super Friends that started in 1973. And I think Superman, Super Friends is really important for the production of this film. Um, because it kind of starts like cementing Superman everywhere. Like I think we forget how popular Super Friends actually was. And funny enough, it wasn't. In 1973, it got cancelled and then it got brought back <laughs> in 1977 because it just started getting popular and like reruns and things like that. But I didn't okay. like. I didn't realize that Super Friends ran until 1985. I didn't realize it ran that long. Well, I think it kind of evolved, didn't it, over time? It, it absolutely it, did it, evolve. Sure yeah, the last changed. one was called like. Um, the superpowers team, the Galactic Guardians, like well, it had like Dark Side in it and stuff. And... I think they tried to link it in with the toys then, because I think the toy yeah. line was called Superpowers, and then they were like linking it into that. And I think it kind of got, I wouldn't say it got darker, but you know, it was very wholesome. It did when it first though, started. like, and the art and was kind of cool. Like, and I think it's... they introduced like Dark Seed into it, and they kind of had a bit more ongoing storylines as opposed to like just the kind of serial stuff yeah but it like when it was really popular it was written by the absolute silver age comic book writers like gardner fox julius swartz and uh, carmine infatano like it was all written by these huge names in 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 dc comics which i didn't realize they did to be honest i just kind of i really did thought super friends were just like a cast off that no one ever thought about anyway superman like we need to talk about development of this damn film this film is just like is incredible like because and that's why i wanted to do a bit of history of how like complicated these little serials were and the people playing him but okay you get superman 1978 it's directed by richard donner who you know you'll know from goonies and scrooged and omen lethal weapon lethal weapon and 16 blocks which i kind of love like, um and <laughs> die hard die what... hard for you mean oh god yeah yeah it used to where it was wasn't it one of the many diehard scripts that didn't get made into a diehard film because that's a, but, that's like but still that's an absolute stars industry Bruce Willis. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the other one? Tears of the Sun or something? Which Tears still of the stars Sun, yeah. Bruce Willis and was a diehard script. <laughs> we should do a diehard season and just watch all the films that I'll didn't that. become diehard. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> all those scripts that were written as diehard films. Um, anyway, uh, what Richard Donner kind of brought to this uh, is the fact that he decided to treat this as like Sword and Sandals epic. Um, and he wanted to treat Superman as like a romantic and biblical figure in the in the kind of in the way that sword and sandals would do those figures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think that absolutely comes through in this film more than anything else. There's we can talk about the biblical stuff later on. But I like, do want a moratorium though on Superman being a Christ-like figure. It's starting to oh, really annoy me now. I don't think it should be done. I think yeah, it's, it's a so bad reading of Superman. Um. I think it's bad in this film as well. Superman is Moses, if he's anyone. He's not. Yeah, because he's like, like he's cast away in the in the basket down the river. Yeah, but in, he's cast this... away and not sent for a purpose. Yeah, that's that's a really important difference, and I don't like that they changed that in this film. And he like, 
and you know he was also created by two jewish guys like it, it it's uh, there's a there's an argument about how much he was actually influenced by by moses and like schuster and, and siegel both say they weren't like you know massively practicing jewish people but like he was a jewish hero i think we should understand that and stop mm-hmm. pretending he's christ <laughs> like yeah well jesus was a jew so <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> anyway the cast is huge the cast is absolutely huge at this film like they it's it, and i and what everyone always forgets is marlon brando is first cast in the film he's first yep. billed he's paid the most like the second build is Gene Hackman. It's not until Superman doesn't get billed until the third. Like we, we can't forget as well, Mon and Brando based his performance on a carrot or something. Like <laughs> he was saying, you know, that's his. I am. Um, I always. I I thought Marlon Brando's performance in this was a joke, and watching it again this time, he's really good. Like he is, he's he, really good. He nails it, and like I, he's. I think we, we. This is a little bit like um, Orson Welles for me when, when I was talking to Brandon. Like, he's one of these characters that I think I forget how good he is because because I, I know him as like the kind of caricature of him. I know Marlon Brando from like you know the that what is that bloody Island of Doctor Moreau and stuff like <laughs> you know when shadows he, and. Yeah, yeah. When he refused to wear pants and he wanted like a you know a small person to be set with him all the time and stuff <laughs> like that. Like that's like how I think of 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 Marlon Brando. And then to watch him in this, I'm like he he's nailing this. Like it's so important to have him in it, and it's well, so that... important to have like a like an actor that you just trust to handle this ridiculous kind of you know dialogue and stuff. I mean, are we getting into it in order now, or are we kind of still just? No, because development, development okay, is still. Um, so there's two, two. I think that I think they're Mexicans. Uh, Ilya and Alexander. The Salkinds. Uh, the Salkinds, yeah. They've been wanting to try and make a Superman film since like the early seventies. Yeah, the Mexican, they, yeah. Yeah, and they purchased the they purchased the rights for Superman in like 1974. I don't know how they managed to produce it to purchase the rights for Superman. Uh, it's, had like the, it's, like, it's like the guy who purchased the rights for um, Batman. Um, yeah. Michael, yeah. Oh, I've forgotten his name now, but basically he was just a guy who had like a, a comic book course at a, university yeah. and then somehow bought the rights to Batman, the theatrical rights, and he still owns them. And so every film that's made of Batman, he still pro- is the producer. That's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous, whatever. It's just funny. Like, I guess but, um, these are the people who saw something in these properties. And, yeah, yeah. Because everyone else they thought they're unfilmable. Yeah. So, like, how yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Salkins were heavy-handed producers, is, is the easiest way to put it. Uh, they'd had some mild success with the, the Three Musketeers, and I think the sequel was The Four Musketeers. But, but they managed as to... well, like, those films were made by the guy who took over, I think. Yes, they uh, were, yes. What's they his name? Were. The guy who did Hard Day's Night and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to his relationship with them. But, like, uh, he, he at the time when he took over from filming for Superman 2, he was still Richard owed Lester. money by them. Richard Lester, yeah, he was owed money that they didn't pay him for shooting the Musketeers films. He was in court with them at the time, and he still agreed to kind of come on board, like do it, like that's nuts. It's nuts, yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, they um, uh, they they say that they spent weeks in uh, negotiations with DC trying to secure the film rights. Um, DC were really, really cared about the integrity of the character, which I find it funny that the Salkins thought that was a problem. But um, 
but uh, the the adventures they they told, but eventually, basically, the Salkins gave DC like um, not final cut, but final choice on every dialogue in the film. So, like, so that meant that writing the script was a nightmare. Um, the the script was originally written by Mario Puzo, Mario Puzo yeah, like the Godfather writer. Uh, he turned in two drafts. And they thought he was being too funny and too comedic. There was loads of like comedy characters in it, um, like and uh, and they didn't well, I like guess his. If, if you take the guy who's written The Godfather and you say, "Okay, make a comic book film," that's probably what he thinks a comic book thinks film. Thinks a comic book, like, yeah. And I don't think he was out of step with the seventies when he's writing this. His early seventies, he's writing it. It's like seventy four. Like it's, I don't think he's out of step with the way these things were written on and shown at the time. Uh, then David Newmart and Robert Benton were hired for rewrite works. Um, basically, they kind of stepped out as well. Leslie Leslie Newman took over and she wrote other stuff in it. She subscribed the script in seventy six, um, but the, the the script apparently still had incredibly camp tone by the time Donna comes on board. But it, including like um, Telly Savalas had had a cameo in it as Kojak and stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which you know, why didn't they keep that? Because what's the but, word Donna says? Is it like he just like vermicim? I can't pronounce it. Oh, vermicillitude. Or that's what that he was is. saying. The whole script need like the film needed. Yeah. Need, do you know what I mean? That's how that was his like mantra to the to, for the whole film. It had to be believable, otherwise yeah. you wouldn't believe a man could fly. So he brought in a guy called Tom Mankiewicz to do a rewrite, and Mankiewicz basically said not a word of the original script was used. It, he said it was well written, but it was ridiculous, and it was a. 550 pages um did you, did you hear that he meant... didn't want to do it as well at first and apparently when he went out he went round to um donna's house for like an interview you know just to chat about it yeah donna wore a superman costume like <laughs> greeted him in a superhero costume he's like well i've got to do it now <laughs> and like i think this was like meant to be like this was six months before production was going to start yeah. because they had they had uh marlon brando and gene hackman locked for yes. start date so they they had to kind of catch up with that. And I think there was another, I don't know if there was another director or another production designer on board. Oh, and I they can did tell a lot the story. And they, so like, and they like had done like, they'd spent $6 million already. Yes. And yep. he's just said all of the work they'd produced so far, like previous stuff was just like garbage, useless. Yep. So they kind of... Just unusual, yeah. Mankiewicz says that basically the script they gave him was 550 pages for both films because they're meant to do one and two together. But he says like you could that was a shooting script. He said for both films, 110 pages would be more than enough you need for both films. He said this thing was just the most unshootable thing that's ever been written. Um, he he he's basically his big thing was having um, Kryptonians have all like letters everywhere on their costumes. That was the big thing he put in. But he got refused to be paid and credited for his rewrites um, because of like some guild rules or stuff like that. And Donna gave him another credit in the film to get him some money or something. Well, like that. those letters have kind of that's now kind of in the Superman lore, isn't it? The House of L. Yeah, the, which, it is absolutely. Which I don't yeah. think's ever mentioned in these that the S is like. No, like, no, it's is... not mentioned in the script. It's just in like production design, really. And I don't. L's not really it's not really shown that L is like a house as yeah, well, yeah. really. I don't think it's that clear. But yeah, basically they went on then so the Selkins then went on to kind of trying to get um directors. And the first guy they approached was Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg said he was very interested in doing it, he would be happy to do it. Um but like the I think it was Alexander Selkins who basically said that I'm gonna see what his stupid fish movie does first <laughs> before we hire him. And yeah, his stupid fish movie was incredibly popular. By that point, they couldn't 
afford oh, Superman, Spielberg, um, sorry, and he went on to do Close Encounters. Um, so they went to William Frequin, uh, then they went to Sam Peckinpah, both directors we covered <laughs> on our miniseries. Uh, Frequin just turned it down outright. He had no no interest in doing it. Sam Peckinpah turned up to the meeting with a gun, and the Salkins decided not to hire him. <laughs> There's a bunch of people they approached. Uh, Guy Hamilton, uh, John Gwilliman, uh, Roger Neem, uh, Ronald Neem, and um, George Lucas. And they are they actually going to offer George Lucas it until they found out he was too committed on this Star Wars thing. So, yeah. like, let what him do idiot. that instead. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so they decided to go with Guy Hamilton um, because they really liked to... Because Guy Hamilton's a director of, like, Goldfinger, uh, Live and Let Die, uh, Battle of Britain, like a Bond director. So he's the one who gets greenlit to be the director of Superman, so they're going forward with Guy Hamilton. At that point in time, they've been struggling with casting as well, mainly for Superman. And this list of people, this is the best list of ever. Like, is it Nick Nolte so, on there? <laughs> yes. Muhammad Ali, Justin Hoffman, <laughs> Al Pacino, James Kahn, Clint Eastwood, Steve McQueen were all offered it. Um, Dustin Steve Hoffman McQueen was... live then? Apparently. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was approached, uh, but then later offered Luther. And he turned that down. Robert Redford was offered Superman. And he said he was too famous and too old or something. And he just wasn't right for it. Burt Reynolds was offered Superman. And Burt Reynolds turned it down. Sty Stallone, Arnie and Neil Diamond were lobbying for the role. Neil Diamond. Yeah. But they were all ignored. I want to see that film. (laughs) They were actively lobbying in Hollywood and getting their producers to kind of like send money to the to the Salkins to get them as a Superman. Um, like I've seen, like apparently they even screen tested like Richard Donner's dentist or the or the casting yes. director's dentist. Yes. And there's even they footage of did. And like this is like we'll probably you know we may as well get into Christopher Reeves now, but like all of the tests that I saw, everyone was like overacting it, like they were being larger than life, yeah. posing and stuff. And the thing that Christopher Reeves did was that he kind of like let the suit kind of talk for him and he like underperformed yes. it. What's really important about Christopher Reeves is that um, they refused to kind of, he they told him he had to wear a muscle suit. They said it was too small and he refused it basically. Yeah. Um, and he kept on saying, he would say, I will work out and I'll be big enough to look great in it. And they basically didn't believe him. They paid Christopher Reeves nothing for this film. Like absolutely nothing that like, he was, he was not, it was like, um, I think he was paid 250 K um, which you know it's a lot of money, but it's nothing compared to the budget in this film, which we haven't said was the most expensive film of all time. Well, Donna, Donna got now. off. I think he got paid a million dollars, I think, to make the film, and he agreed. But then they went, "Ah, it's two films." But yeah, I think yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah, sure. "Well, that's five hundred thousand dollars per film, and I only make a hundred thousand dollars per film at the moment." So I call yeah. that a win. I call that a win. So basically, they offered it for James Kahn, Nick Nolte, James Brolin, Christopher Walken, John Voight, Rex Harrison <laughs> were all offered it and they all turned it down. Patrick Wayne, who's John Wayne's son, he was cast as Superman. He dropped out after after John Wayne got ill. So like, so basically at that point, they went to Paul Newman and they offered Paul Newman any role. They said, you can be Superman, you can be Jor-El, you can be Lex Luthor. Just do anything and we'll pay you four million for what? doing that role and he turned it down <laughs> like, um but then eventually because I think they... if you're like that you sound desperate and then yes I think they that, were yeah that yeah, yeah. makes it not seem appealing because they're like well 
Well, it's like, especially if they were just the Salkins. Just so you could put the name on a film, really. Yeah, they didn't fit. Like they, they hadn't. It, the producers like hadn't got a good track record with stuff, you know. Like, and they were they they'd known for being a bit kind of, you know, Donna called them crooks in at the time. Um, I don't know how fair that was, but I think they had a bit of a reputation around Hollywood of not being the best people to work with. That might be unfair. I don't know. They seem but a like, bit like um, the people who own Canon films, but just had a bit more yeah, money about but, them. Do you know what I mean? So eventually, they they approached Brando, and he eventually would do it um, for three point seven million. He got for paid like, for this role for his fifteen is, minutes of screen time, or whatever it is. Yeah, top billing, fifteen minutes. That is just ridiculous. Because they cast uh, um, Marlon Brando, Gene Hackman then said he'll do Luther because he wanted to work with um, Brando. Well, not that they share any screen time together. <laughs> no, but like, all I doubt they would have even been on set together. I don't know. Like, but um, Gene Hackman got paid two million uh, for, for it as well. Then you know that's when you're saying they were they were looking for you know this they this is when they started shooting so they hadn't even cast Reeves at this point when they started shooting so they they decided to shoot in Rome in Italy and uh, they were building sets there and they were shooting flying tests. Um, however, after building all these sets and shooting all this stuff, Marlon Brando told them that he can't go to Rome because there's still a warrant out for his arrest there because of him. Um, <laughs> Because of all the sexual obscenity in a Last Tango in Paris, where they shot in Rome, so he had <laughs> he had an active warrant out for his arrest, and he couldn't go to um to uh, Rome. But I also heard that the kind of the currency in Italy, what is it? The, at the it time, was the lira then, lira, yeah. kind of rocketed, and I think the pound was cheaper. So pound, like they kind of got more ah. bang for their buck in the UK. Yeah. So they yeah, they moved to the UK. However, because they moved to the UK, um. Guy Hamilton was currently in tax exile from the UK. <laughs> so, and he wasn't allowed to spend any more than 60 days in the country without, you know, paying tax. So he dropped out. I can't believe... I can't believe he dropped out for making Superman rather than just pay a bit of tax. Oh, that was just like... <laughs> rich people are weird. <laughs> um, so that's so they, at this point they'd spent six million dollars. They had like they had Hackman and and you know um and uh, Brando. They had no sets because it was all in Rome. They were trying to shoot in England and they didn't have a Superman yet. So um, at that point they um they approached uh, Mark Robson who directed Earthquake, you know the uh, disaster oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. film. Uh, he was. He was then hired, but well, he wasn't really hired because then Richard Donner they watched the Omen and then went to Donner, and as you said before, like they, you know, they offered him a million, and he was like, "Fuck it." He was going to do Omen too, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do this for a million. <laughs> um, he took one, took at it, and went, "We need to start from scratch." Uh, at that point, yeah, they were going around looking at dentists, any actor, and they had like I think two, over two hundred people in the open casting. But I think he had the the thought like it has to be an unknown because it has to be someone yeah. you can believe. Yes, exactly. Like, you can't, he None can't be those... anyone else other than Superman. Christopher Walken would have been the worst casting in the world. Like it's, it's like, like it's like Nick Cage was cast, wasn't he? Now, like as much yeah, as I'd yeah. love to see that film, I think it, like it'd probably be a terrible film. But yeah. I'd still love to see it. But he's still like it. an odd choice. Like Henry Cavill's a better choice because at least he's like he's not Henry like, Cavill. At the time, he wasn't like. No, he was just did TV, really, hadn't he? Yeah. You know, so like, I think Henry Cavill's, as I said before, he's good casting and he looks yeah. the role. Like, um, God, then they went to production and stuff. Like, uh, it started spiraling. 
uh, because they were shooting Superman 1 and 2 at the same time. The um, filming was 19 months. And um, and Donna, the whole time, was clashing with the Salkins and Spengler, who was the other producer as well, uh, because the shooting schedule was ridiculous, because the, the production budget was just escalating. Donna was meticulous in what he wanted out of this. Like, he, he as you said, he wanted versalimitude. He wanted it to feel real. It had to look real. These people had to, like, work. He said, this, you know, no one would... No one will believe this unless this is right. Um, at that point, basically, um, they were told they were so over schedule and budget, but that Donna was angry that they weren't even giving him a budget or a schedule. Yeah. So they were like, <laughs> you need to tell me what the budget is and the schedule is, and I'll keep to it, but you won't. So I'm just going to keep shooting. He goes, if you tell me that we've got two days left, I'll make it do two days. If you tell me, like, you know, but whatever like um just just like i i'm going to make this film basically um at that point richard lester was brought on to work in the film well he was um, like an inter- intermediate yeah he was a go between basically between the producers and um and donna and donna basically says like like this guy was owed money by these people why was this guy on the film like why was he trusting Scrooge, them like? you know Scrooge directed yeah. by richard donna i wonder if the character that kind of is brought in to kind of <laughs> He kind of takes over Bill Murray's job. Yeah, sure. And he's yeah, played yeah. by John, oh, the guy who plays Lionel Luther in Smallville. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah, kind of yeah. wonder if he's kind of meant to be a bit. Meant to be that, though. That yeah. Guy. Um, so the big argument was that. and John Glover, isn't it? I think. Sorry. John Glover, that's it. Thanks. He's in Gremlins 2 as well. He's in loads of stuff. Yeah, I as have you say, to say that because James Rayner will tell me off if I don't mention it. <laughs> if, if, if Gremlins 2 isn't mentioned. Oh, he loves Gremlins 2. <laughs> um, so basically, Donna took the decision at this point to stop shooting Superman 2. Um, and that was the big argument with the Salkins. Um, and he said, look, like no one is going to care and no one is going to see Superman 2 if no one cares about Superman 1. So we are yeah. going to just do Superman 1. And like the big thing was that Superman one ended with a, um, ended with a uh, cliffhanger. It didn't have a solid ending to it. Right. And the, the the whole point was basically like, the it was just going kind of going on to like Superman two. So the original ending of Superman one was basically, it's a bit difficult. It, it has the missiles, but there was only one missile, um, and it was a nuke. It was nothing to do with Lois Lane getting injured because obviously she's in the second film. So it was no time travel, and basically he shoves the nuke into the atmosphere, and that blows up in the atmosphere, and that releases Zod and 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 the other the right, other guys from the Phantom Zone. So that that was the ending of Superman one, and that so that but they reused that nuke stuff for the opening of Superman two with Paris, uh, where she um, where they're in Paris and they're trying to blow up the Eiffel Tower with a nuke or something. <laughs> <laughs> And they instead moved it there, and they moved the uh, kind of the destruction that was going to go off from Zod to the end of Superman One, and had Lois d- dying at the end of Superman One, and him turning back the time, which was going to be the end of Superman Two. So they yes. basically reshifted all those kind of points, and um, it worked basically. Like his gamble worked. Like I don't and like if. And I think watching this film, it, it's all Donna on screen. Like the film works because of Richard Donner's direction and his kind of hard attitude with it. I think. Um, what I think is really great about it is that it's three distinct parts. You know, like Krypton, Smallville, and Metropolis. Like, 
and they all feel different and they're all about Superman in different ways. Like Krypton's all about this kind of alien godhood of him, basically. Um, Smallville's all about this kind of human element to him and this kind of um, and learning to be like, you know, humble. And then Metropolis is all about romance, and the entire bit about Metropolis is about romance. This is a this is a romance film. Like, oh yeah, and, yeah. and it it's sold on the fact that you need to believe these two are in love, and that's it. Like you know, more than anything else. And uh, I will say, like the then you got stuff like the art, the production design, John Barry, you know, from Star Wars and Clockwork Orange. Yeah. He nails the stuff on Krypton and stuff. I think his stuff here is better than Star Wars, actually, in a lot of ways. Uh, um, I, probably because he had a lot more money. Actually, I think but, Star Wars looks better. I think. I think. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the look of, um, the Fortress of Solitude, like the sets, are fantastic. And like when the younger Clark Kent throws the, um, the crystal. It's yeah, like the, I think that looks amazing because you know that's a set and it looks massive. Yeah, but I still huge. think yeah. just the simplicity of like the Star Wars kind of kit bashed looking models and stuff kind of look yeah. a bit better. But yeah, um, like and like the cinematographer on this was um, uh, Jeffrey Unsworth, who I think did two thousand and one and stuff like that, and he uh, he sure. gives it a proper kind of gravitas to the film and like kind of gives it that kind of like almost soft timeless feel to it kind of yes absolutely yeah 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 i i, yeah. I do i do think like the flying sequences especially of like with like the advent of like hd and 4k and stuff it hasn't aged as well sure as sure. Say, like there's a little big black lines around them yeah of. and stuff like that. but like you know this this like we haven't mentioned him really but christopher reeve's performance and the way he the way he poses himself as he flies, he sells it because he yeah. looks fantastic. And it's like all about his physicality. If you watch his um his like audition, you can see from the moment he he like he jumps on the uh uh he's he's basically his audition scene was the rooftop scene. Oh, okay. Where he, where he kind of where he where Lois Lane interviews him. And you can just tell from like straight away, like compared to the other people who did the same scene, he he was the right person. Like you could imagine the moment he first says his first word. Like I can imagine in that room they just turn to each other like that. This is him. This yeah. this guy's him. Because yeah, like you know, when, he... when 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 Christopher Reeve says that I don't lie to her in that scene, like you believe oh, that yeah. he doesn't. Like he, he he embodies everything in that. You know, he even looks at her pants. He does look at her pants. He's yeah. really stupid though, because he gives away his biggest weakness. <laughs> I can't see through lead. Oh, okay, I'll just put that in the article. Then. I'll put that, that in the article. Yeah, that won't I thought come that. up later on. <laughs> I, I, the, we'll have to get into the plot. I've spent then, too oh, much time. Rambling, there was loads but, of like... people who auditioned for um, Lois Lane, and the audition scene for her. I think they'd obviously already cast um, Chris Reeves at that point because he's in all the auditions with the different yeah. uh, Lois Lanes. And again, Margot Kidder is hands down the best person that they auditioned. And the audition scene was from Superman 2. It's when... Um, I assume it was from Superman 2. Well, it's, it's it's in Superman 2 anyway. It could have been in Superman 1 originally. I don't sure, know. Sure, sure, But sure. it's... Um, I, it's the scene in... After she jumps off the... Into the dam or whatever she does and then Superman saves her and she knows, she then figures out that it's... Oh, like, sure, yeah. When she jumps into Niagara Falls. Sure 
Yeah, and he um, it's when he is it when he trips over the the head of the the polar bear on the the hotel room and puts his hand in the fire. And yes. she's like, yeah, like, yeah, and he gets really angry with himself. Like, she is. I I love Margaret Kidder in this. It's like her like. I don't know what the wording is, but like brassiness of like that kind of New York journalism of a character. Like um, you absolutely believe that he would fall in love with her in a second. But you like, see like how a diff- like when she's around Superman, she's like, she's more like Clark when she's around Superman. Yeah, she's sure. like all bumbly and stuff. But when she's with Clark, she's that's when she's all go-getter kind of. Yeah. And when she's with Superman, she kind of melts. It's like their roles reverse kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit in the Perry White's office early on when she grabs a, a soda from him bangs it on the table and hands it back to him and stuff yeah. like that like and it's so just she's so just in charge at any weird, every point they're, like. they're not actors who i think are both amazing but they're both perfectly cast for these yeah. parts yeah whatever whatever magic happened with these two in this film it, it yeah. really it's it almost like this these two people are the reason why we get lois and clark you know yeah. on tv chris they, they, was they, 24 when he did this film God. Like twenty four, but he has the air of like he does, yeah, he does. So he's he's actually playing older than himself, like so. Super, he must be, yeah, 30, isn't he? So I do hate that in this film that he basically cocoons himself for twelve years in the fucking fortress of solitude and then just flies out. It's like oh, it's right. weird. It's weird. I don't um, like it, but I am. Um, what I respect about this film is that fact that when you get to Metropolis, he's Superman. And it isn't just, it isn't a whole film when he's slowly becoming Superman. Like it's kind of nice that when you get to Metropolis, you're just watching Superman at that point. Like yeah. you've 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 got all the setup and it's gone. I don't know. Like it's the difference between this and Man of Steel, I guess. Like Man, well, of, Man Steel of Steel does the whole globe trotting thing, which they do exactly. Kind of, yeah, which I I quite like as well because you know you're trying to find yourself, so that's what you. That's what some people but again, it's, like, it's the Christ-like thing as well, though, because he disappears for like you know twelve years and comes back as yeah. fully formed, and that's well, very Jesus, you know. Jesus Batman does it in Batman from, Begins, from doesn't he? He travels the globe. Yeah, yeah. And um... but let's go. Let's go through like um, because this this film opens if you haven't seen it in a long time with an old thirty cinema. Yeah, like <laughs> with, with a narration with a comic book opening. Yeah, with narration of Action Comics one. Yeah. It's the weirdest, like it's the weirdest opening that I didn't know. I didn't remember this being in it. And each page of this comic book is like the first few um, panels of Action Comics one. So you have like the kind of the kid reading the uh, like the Krypton blowing up and stuff like that. Uh, like he's reading a serial, um, and like it's kind of a news footage like serial. It's like it's echoing the original serials that people would have still probably remembered. Um, before it pulls back and then the aspect ratio opens up and the credits fly through. And actually, um, someone we should have mentioned already, John Williams' score hits. Oh, like, I mean, yeah. If there's if there's two things that are amazing in this film, it's Christopher Reeves and it's the theme, it's the song, it's the music. That score, yeah. I like this. Is it's it's funny as well. You're talking about um Star Wars as well with the production design because John Williams again. Like it's it's the same like you know crew well, members. If you've got the money, like, you pull from the best, don't you? That's yeah, what yeah. But there were almost a lot of this was no John Williams would probably would have been after because it would have been later, wasn't it? But all the production took place come before Star Wars came out. Like, well, yeah, I um, mean, the film was meant to come out, I think, middle of two thousand no nineteen seventy eight, but it it was like delayed by six months. Yeah, so which was basically the entire post production time they had. So it was, yeah, it was probably shooting in 
1976, so probably before Superman. I mean, Star yeah, Wars, sorry. Star Wars, so, yeah. yeah. They're all they're kind of around the same time. But I, the one thing I love about the theme is it basically says Superman in the theme. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... And, like, that that's kind of... They'll never be... Something. Someone else cannot write a Superman theme forever now. No, like, but I, I don't like it being used now. Like, it feels too precious when they use it now. I get you. Me. Yeah, sure. But, like, as I said, the Hans Zimmer music for the recent films have been fantastic, but they're so different. Like, yeah. John Williams writes themes, whereas Hans Zimmer writes, themes like... Bombastic. He likes, yeah, it's like mood music and, like, you know, it's intense, whereas, you know, old Hollywood is more about, you know, themes and emotions and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a couple of points in this film when the theme hits and you're just like, oh, oh yeah, this is... Oh, yeah, it's, it's hair yeah. on your, your arm raising, it's, you know, yeah. it gets you pumped, but like it's I said... It's funny that in Superman 2 it doesn't quite work as well, like... I just I don't, don't think that film is. works. Like, it's really weird. Like, do you remember Wizard Magazine years ago? Yeah, sure. Like, so <laughs> back in like the early 2000s when there weren't many superhero films, like they would always put Superman 2 as the greatest superhero film ever made. And I really? always found that really weird because for me, it's just, I didn't, I never liked that film. Like growing up as a kid, like I never really watched Superman 1 a lot, but Superman 3 was always on like bank holiday. Yeah, and stuff, sure. So I watched yeah. that one a lot. And Superman Two is one I always remembered because it's the scene where he 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 gives up his powers, mm-hmm. then goes to a canteen, gets beaten up, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, "I want my powers." I want my powers. <laughs> <laughs> just goes, then just has them again. You're like, "All right, okay." So he's obviously- there's no beat. The the beats are lost in that Superman Two. You're right. Everyone remembers it because Neil before Zod is wonderful, and all the Zod stuff is wonderful. Yeah, but Terrence like- Stamp's amazing in that film. Yeah. But like- but like, yeah, there's so much. The romance doesn't even work in in Superman two as well as it works here. And I think like that's that's the problem. This is all romance. So yeah, the the intro sequence is like six minutes long of just yes. Whoosh, whoosh. I mean, like it, this music's insanely good, and we cut straight to the trial of Zod here, which is like a sequel setup at the beginning of the film, which is, I think is just mad. Well, this frankly. is what I was going to say. Should have Zod been at the end of this film? Really? Should that? Have yeah, been... he should have. If they open it with him, they should be at the end of it. Really? I mean, Man of Steel is basically is beat for beat this, really, isn't it? But oh yeah, yeah. Every time they show Krypton in any media, it's not a place I ever to... want to live. It's either this place looks really cold and really That's... sterile. I think that's so wonderfully done, though, on purpose. Because, like, it's... Not, well, one, it's because I think both Donna and Puzo, if, if Puzo had any influence on this, was basically writing this as heaven. You know, like, he and Jor-El's god, and he's, like, in this heavenly white, weird world. But, like, I like that it's cold and alien. I like that it's d- d- like has no emotion or warmth to it. Mm. I like that, like, Superman has to come from this world that is so unhuman and so just, like not a place you want to live like and that i think that works as like an as as saying this this is the fabric of superman the fabric that he is from this place that is not nice it's not wonderful you know he's he's actually from like a really horrible place really with their tinfoil um, reflective their fucking outfits clothing. I, I were they just were they just shining massive lights at them? Basically, it's like a reflective tool they use yeah. in like cinemas and, fi- and yeah, the little reflective if you, screen. If you touch it, it kind of ruins the reflectiveness of it, so it wouldn't work. So everyone had to like touch their costumes with very carefully, all with oh god gloves and stuff. So it'd have been a right nightmare. 
It would. But have I been. love the effect of like you know the kind of well those three circles that are kind of like yeah the weird prison around. thing yeah and then when they I tra- always remember that and then when they trap them in the um, the phantom zone yeah very visually trapped stark difference zone, yeah. to the dildos that are in uh, <laughs> Man of Steel Man of Steel's weird again I'm gonna keep bringing it up because they're kind sure. of but like again that's a a horrible looking. Uh, Krypton for a different reason though, but this for is like reason. it looks like termites and there's, yes, and there's like it's muddy and, and weird, and yeah, like, and dragonflies. What's going on and, here? Yeah, and like Krypton, I like I like Krypton being like a sciency world. I like that about Krypton. the video screens aren't videos; they're like you know those things that you push your face through and they're the pins. <laughs> those are like their video screens. They're like moving pins. And you're like, all right, what's this about? All right, yeah, good technology here. <laughs> It's um, yeah, you get Brando here, and Brando nails it. There's a yeah, reason he's great, he's top he's build, great. like, and he, he and he does give it weight that lets you kind of carry it, like, um, they so yeah, they send basically, you know, everyone knows the story. Krypton's blowing up. No one believes Brando, Brando, <laughs> Jor-El, and uh, he they sneak off, you know, you know, Carlel in on a little rocket ship. It's but, very like, male, like. It's all about fathers, isn't it? So it's like yeah. he'll never be alone because I'll always be with him. It's like what about his what about his mom? His mom? I know I she pops so up weird. in the second one, doesn't she? I think. Yeah, I think because they couldn't afford Brando <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I think like I always find it really weird that it's Jor El and like Lana. It's like why isn't he? Why isn't she Lana L? Why why doesn't she get a surname? Yeah, why is she just Lana. It's been a really odd world that Krypton Lana is. L. Um, yeah, it's it. Yeah, like yeah, whatever he. All this kind of stuff, the crystal technology and everything like that is stuck with Superman since this. Like it's it's glued itself to the Superman mythos. Like it has. Um even like even like the new Superman Supergirl TV show and stuff like that, it's the same thing. It's un, you know, it's a weird, heavily uncaring place. So they can and it will contrast for the rest of the film, really. Because Supergirl's um, not from Krypton, isn't she? She's from like Yeah, she uh, is. I thought she was from Kendall, which is all Caldor no. Oh, I guess yeah. It could. It would. There's so many different origins, but whatever. He, she's still like his cousin. She just yeah. takes longer to get to Earth. Is the way that it normally is. Like, do they set um, that up in the other in her film? I can't remember the original one. I, I yeah, I don't remember that film at all. Because it's meant. Because I think Clark was Reeves is meant to be in that, but I think so. And Jimmy Olsen's in it. I know that. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that he sends. Superman with a purpose there, I think that ruins Superman. They are great a little bit. people and they intend to be good. <laughs> yeah, like and like you will have great powers there, so you will have to lead them, kind of thing, and show them the way. It's just so much, it's too much Jesus. Like, um, and I and I don't like him purposely being sent to Earth. I like him accidentally landing on Earth. I don't yeah. like. It should just be like he should just be a refugee, you know, like rather than like someone well, who's been I, sent I like to the save idea them. they send him to Earth just because they know that. He can they live look, there. <laughs> sure. He can live there, and they look like him. Yeah, but, yeah. But 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 knowing that that he'll have powers and all that stuff, I think that's a bit too much. I think. Yeah, it ruins it for me somewhat. Um, yeah. But like, and then we, I think this is really weird in the capsule where like baby, the baby Superman's getting taught things for some reason, um, and they're telling him about like Einstein's theory of relativity. <laughs> and I'm like. Why? 70s Wait. though, that's what they were t- teaching young Milo in uh... <laughs> But like, surely 
Kryptons would know about relativity and another, it would be one of their scientists that discovered it a long time before Einstein because look at their technology. It wouldn't have been like they would, they, they'd gone, oh, yeah, this relativity is kind of cool in, the, in this time period. It always bugs me anyway. It's like Star Trek Discovery put Elon Musk in it as one of the best scientists ever and it's like, fuck off. Elon Musk, <laughs> Elon Musk doesn't even invent anything. The guy's just a businessman. Anyway, it's another man. Like, Anyway, yeah, he crashes into Earth. <laughs> crashes into Glenford. And um it's it's cool because the Kents are amazing. And yeah, this I bit's all about like just humanity. Like and um he's struggling that he's an outsider. He's struggling that he he can't like, you know, he can't just let himself go and he's trying to enjoy himself but he's getting bullied by Brad. <laughs> like, well, I mean, in this version, Glenford only has like what two scenes as Jonathan Kent, yeah. but like so, it's the introduct when when like the two when year they find old him. Clark, they find him and he saves the uh, Clark saves them from their their truck their truck about to crush them or whatever. Yeah, and then he has the other scene where he just basically with great power comes great responsibility yeah. kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm not a very overly emotional, sentimental person, but like for some reason, this scene really, really got to me, and I don't know if that's you know like. That's sounding too bleak, but you know we've all got parents, and they're all of a certain age, and you know that sure. you know eventually, you know, you know, and like that. As much as I argue with my dad and disagree with him, like, I look up to him like sure. So like I am my father's son. I am very much like my dad, and I <laughs> I love him to bits. And it just like for some reason that just triggered in my head, and I got That's... quite emotional watching this film, which I never thought I would. I would, Dude, to be honest, like, and then, it, then yeah. it made me really angry about the Man of Steel one because, like, they because they kill him in a tornado because he doesn't yeah. doesn't want Clark to give up his like secret identity or whatever or his. That's and such it, a fundamental misreading. And the whole point is, he has a heart attack because that's the one thing that he can't cure can't, him. Can't cure, yeah. like you know, he just can't and, fix it. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah, like, I, uh, it, like the idea of teaching. Clark Kent to hide himself so is more important than just there was you know a father another father father figure in his life that he loved and he couldn't help him is um that's such a bad reading of Superman yeah like yeah and, and it's as you said before Kevin Costner's good casting but Pa Kent in those films is nothing compared to this yeah, yeah and he only like, has two scenes <laughs> it's the same amount of time to do anything <laughs> like, yeah um. I, I love the I running hate, against the train. I, I was going to say I hate the running. It looks so weird. <laughs> it's so silly, isn't it? Like <laughs> it's like you know Phoebe and Friends when she like she goes running with Rachel. She does that <laughs> stupid running. I love how he's like not touching the ground. I think he's actually on a rig running. He must be. And it's like obviously sped up or whatever. But then you have the silly little Lois Lane cameo, don't you? And she's like, oh, on she's, the train. she sees. Um, Clark out the window, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's fun, but it's silly. And like, also, um, Lana Lang's played by Diane Sherry, who I think then becomes. Oh no, no, it's not th- this one. It's Lana Lang in Superman Three. Okay. Then becomes Mark Kent in Smallville. <laughs> in Smallville, oh, that's yeah. cool. It's as you was trying to say with all the pre-production stuff, the stuff that's gone from the thirties and seventies. They keep using the same actors. 
like the same voiceover people keep coming in to do stuff and things like it's like once you get into superman you're in a family it's kind of like star trek or something like you know adam west always pops up in various different batman things didn't he and yeah yeah you know doing the voiceover for cartoons and stuff like i think in that time it, you know the it's ingrained into everyone's psyche and it's all part of their childhood. They kind of bring these people back, don't they? Where are we? Uh, oh, yeah. Running so he train. His dad dies um, and that's when he kind of realises he has to leave, which I think is the best scene in the film. Um, when no, he's that, in the... Uh, the field. The it field. Looks it looks great. It looks so good. And, like, uh, his mom, like, Mark Kent slowly walking over and, like... The, the kind of camera sweeping around them through all the kind of grass and hay and stuff like that and the, the sunsets there and my favorite thing about it is that superman like he, he hugs her to say like you know i've got to leave and his mom knows that he has to and whatever but i like the hugs her goes to leave and that hugs her again like it's yeah. kind of like it's it's just a it's little tiny touch which just feels so so good to me you, um you know christopher reeves redubbed all of this kid's dialogue it's dialogue yeah it's weird do you think I, I the only note I had here is that I think the kid was a little old. Yeah, for some probably, reason. yeah. Like I bet you he wasn't that let's have a look. I just want to have a look at the age difference. Okay, so, like, good, so Christopher good, good, Reeves good. Yeah. was born in uh, nineteen fifty two. Uh where's the young uh Jeff East was young Nineteen fifty-seven. So, like, there's you know, <laughs> like five years, years between them. I don't <laughs> think it was that necessary. That's funny. Like, if you look at uh, like Batman Begins, which we said very much follows this kind of template. Mm. I think Christian Bale plays all the various versions of, apart from like the the eight-year-old, apart from the child one, yeah, child one. He plays all the versions of, because you know, like it's fifty-five minutes or whatever until. Christopher like 50, Reeves yeah. enters the film, which is nuts. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Like, like, with Batman Begins, Christian Bale's the first person you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. this, it's 55 It's Jor-El. <laughs> Actually, I think this Zod's the first person you see, but whatever. Um, but, like, uh, it's... Yeah, so he leaves. He builds the Fortress of Solitude. Um, again, Brando pops up and kind of nails another, another kind of monologue. Um... And then, boom, you know, Superman flies off and he's Superman. Like, that's like, that's the origin of Superman. You've got it. Like, the only thing that I'd, I'd say is you don't really need these 50 minutes. Um, you, everyone knows the origin of Superman. And I Did don't they, think they need to spend 1978, though? Yeah. Even in 78, people knew, like, you know, Krypton ship crash landed Mar, well, Mar Park End like people know all that is it all star Superman that has the first panel which is all of this in one page first page is like three panels yeah and which I think it says like doomed planet um, last hope and like kindly couple or something yeah, I yeah. think is the is the wording for it like um, which yeah everyone knows it but like I, while saying the film can just open with Metropolis there was this as you say like there's such good scenes on like, krypton there's such good scenes with Mar and park Kent. like it would it, it, it would be a shame not to have them in the film it's just surprising they spend 50 whole minutes doing it <laughs> uh which is very much the kind of sword and sandals epic that donna was going for you yeah, know? yeah like he and whatever you're constantly what you building for. to this moment aren't you yeah 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 and i still think that moment he flies out the christ the fortress of solitude is the best 
flying shot in the whole film, I think. Oh, cool, it's the, yeah. It's the way he arches his body round and he kind of yeah. does a curve. And it's um, it's funny because that this would be the whole film of him flying at the end. Now, if if someone's writing it now, like he wouldn't get like in the middle of the film, he just becomes Superman. Like it would take the entire film for him to become Superman or even put the costume on properly. Well, I think um, Man of Steel it takes a good hour until he's like in the costume, but at least uh, he's in the whole film. He's at the, he's during the beginning bits and all that kind. Yeah, of thing. yeah, but he's not. He's not Superman by the end of the Man of Steel, which is yes, I agree, I agree. He's Superman at this moment, like at that. Point, yeah, yeah. At this fifty-minute mark, he is Superman. He's Superman already. at that point. He's fully formed. Yeah, which I love um, that about it. But I still find it weird that he's like just cocooned there for like, <laughs> just with his dad for company and like, he's like, just a big floating think, head, crystal head, like just floating. Uh, I think if you wanted to write a Young Avengers of Superman, you'd have you'd be able to. Pretend he wasn't just cocoon there. And was well, I assume stuff. that's what Makes Superboy sense. may have been. Maybe it's like the... maybe, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, Daily Planet. We're introduced to the whole team. Golly, Golly is one of the first things you hear Superman <laughs> say in this film. I think, like, um, and it's kind of funny. You see Superman punch through the screen in that flying thing, and the next time you see him is Clark Kent, and he's a different character. He, he's like Crystal Reeves has so much physicality over this performance. Um. He's just so he looks so different and and he looks so smaller and and like weaker. Like, and yeah, he, it's, like, it's a, you I you could actually believe that he was two different people. I think. he could, yeah. I mean, to a to a point, to a point, yeah. But you could, like, In my opinion, it's it's a bit too over the top for me. Sure, sure, but but sure. I think because you've got like Ned Beatty and Gene Hackman hamming it up yeah. as well, that it kind of. Kind of Ned Beatty sure hands up in this film. Like God, he gets tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, Ned Beatty, but why I'm would, so why fed would up Lex Luthor have him as his right hand? I don't know. Just bumbling around all the place. Mister Luthor. <laughs> it's almost something because yeah, you see Kidder here, and they all uh, they immediately have chemistry. It's like the meat cute, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Um, and he's you know he she's like you've already said it. She's fucking smart and great. And then the mugging scene is such a fucking good scene. Um, yeah. where like he's like you know Meek and Clark Kenty and stuff and she just decides to beat up the mugger <laughs> like and um, as like and as she um, as he shoots you know he grabs the bullet out of the air and pretends to faint and like and it's just it's just wonderful it's one of the best Meek cutes in the in the in the film I think like it's when he pushes he, his glasses back up on his face yes. I like that little moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like the glasses have to slip off in this film if he does anything Supermanish. I always like that about. Is it, it like... Wonder Woman where they basically do this scene, but with the with the roles reversed, so it's like a female as the hero. I'm sure they do like a alleyway scene. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I never saw that before, but you're right. Um, yeah, whatever. You get rampant crime as well in Metropolis. Did you notice this? There's a man stealing fruit in the background. Yes, yeah, in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's like the evil metropolis that needs fixing. <laughs> and then you get this weird um, Ned Beatty scene where he's trying to rob a paper. Um, from a blind guy. <laughs> from a blind guy. And then he's... They're, they're, like The cops are following him to try and find Luther, who's got this really weird layout of an old subway station, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and they got this little funny little scene where 
Lex Luthor has like a booby trap in the subway that pushes the cop into like the train. The train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> weird. <laughs> so weird. Like Luther, the to, to criticize this film, because I am loving it a little too much, to criticize this film, it's not about Luther at all. Like uh and Luther is unimportant in this film. They don't it doesn't matter. Like the the whole point of this film is Lois and Clark is a romance. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah, 100%. Um you couldn't do it nowadays. Nowadays superhero films the the villain has to be like the superhero is only as good as the villain are in the modern films. Whereas Luth- it didn't matter. Luther's like, a weird character because he's he's not 100% defined like he's no. some he's like he's like America's best hope and he's the reason why he doesn't like Superman is because he kind of like is the one he's slightly racist or whatever and he yeah, doesn't like the yeah, fact yeah. that someone from another planet is is better Taking than over him. humanities yeah humanities yeah. like progress and stuff or and you get the them, crazy yeah. scientist who's just hell bent on just destruction or you kind of have this real estate obsessed yeah <laughs> You get this kind of merge of like this businessman, like, you know, President Luther kind of stuff, this kind of like businessman element of him. Um, my f- Going back to All-Star Superman, my favorite thing about All-Star Superman is that it's all about his jealousy of Clark. I'm yeah. um, sorry, jealousy of, you know, Carlel. Um, the fact that like he constantly is yelling to Clark that, you know, you don't need Superman. I can save us, you know, like I'm smart. Yeah. If Superman wasn't here, I would be the, like, everyone would love me kind of thing. And my favorite thing about like the the last scene when like it's Lex Luthor is all powerful the, and stuff. The guy oh. that wants to be the hero ends up being the villain, which I kind of quite like. That yeah, yeah, me too. Of it. And like Superman says to him in All Star Superman, is like, "You could have saved the planet years ago if you cared. The yeah. problem is, is you don't care. You pretend yeah. you care. Like, and that's I think that's how to nail Luther more than anything else. This film." Uh, I don't know. It's very 70s in the fact that he's calling himself the world's greatest supervillain. It's very Bond like villain in that way. Like it's, um It's really weird why they don't have him bald at the all the way through. He has like he has different hair like that he obviously puts on for various different <laughs> scenes. I don't understand that. There's a there's a there's a story about Gene Hackman not wanting to shave his head for it. No, but... there's a mustache. There was a mustache. He had a mustache and Okay. And uh um, Richard Donner says, "You know, we shave moustache," and he goes, "No, I think I want to keep it." But have and then Richard Donner's like, "Okay, well, we start filming in six weeks. Just think about it, because I'd prefer it if you know you shaved it off." <laughs> Came to the filming day, and um, he's like, "And Richard Donner's grown a moustache at this point," and he goes, "Have you thought about the moustache?" And he goes, "No, I think I want to keep." It. And he goes, "Look, I tell you what, you shave your moustache, and I promise you, I'll shave mine." So he goes to the dressing room, Gene Hackman, and he shaves off his moustache. And then he gets to set, and Richard Donner's still got his moustache on. And he goes, but look, Rich, you know, we had a deal, you know, I shaved my moustache, so you've got to shave yours. And then apparently he just peeled it off, and it was like a uh, applied <laughs> moustache just to trick him. What? Which I love. <laughs> That's great. Um <laughs> I think he would look quite good in a moustache. And like from listening to like the Richard Donner, I think almost comes from the old style of directing where it's more about people managing. Okay. And the the way he kind of like, it's not about his overall, like obviously he had a vision, but you know like how now you've got filmmakers who've got this like razor focused vision and like, or you got Wes Anderson who like all of his films are the same or Christopher Nolan, all of the films are the same. 
I think Richard Donner was like, you know, he hires the best people for the job. Yeah. He goes, okay, yes, I like that, I like that, I like that. But he kind of, you know, lets them do their thing and just do their job, yeah. And just manages them. And like, you know, like, I know he had disagreements with his editor all the time. He he sacked the editor like three times on the (laughs) film. And they're always up against each other and kind of like arguing and stuff like that. It was out of a place of respect and love yeah and like yeah it, it wasn't a toxic environment it was yeah. just it was just people had their opinion and they were and fighting like, over what they believed in and like, like apparently he kept all the disagreements with the sour kinds away from the cast and crew just to kind of okay so they were like so he was bearing all this stuff on top of him and he was doing his best not to let it affect the actual performance actual and production problem. because obviously they'd be they'd all become friends by this point and they'd probably sure it, it sounds like a hell of a shoot as well. So. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it was probably like a year-long shoot to do the two films back-to-back, and then apparently mm. it was another year for Christopher Reeves just to do all the flying stuff. The pre-production, oh, God. Um, and moving on from that, like, the villain takes a backseat here, and it cuts to what I... Um, the best scene in can the I, Can film, I ask one thing? What is te- Miss Tess Mac... I can't pronounce her name. Tess. Which Tess is like, whoever. I don't yeah, know. Like, what is her? Like, I understand <laughs> well, that you know you have the femme fatale or whatever, but she's not really a femme fatale. She's not exactly. She just kind of just <laughs> questions everything he does all the time and just kind of. Mocks I him. don't get Luther in this. I don't. Yeah. Like, he's a great portrayal of it. I think Gene Hackman's really good. Like, and almost one of the better. Like, he's better than bloody Kevin Spacey. But like, uh, um, wrong. He's wrong. And he's better than whatever the fuck they were doing in Man of Steel. Oh, yeah. um, but like, it's I don't know. It, it, it there's no need to surround himself with bumbling stuff, like, and there's no need to have him like so Batman like, like Batman sixty six <laughs> villain. He, he is. He's almost <laughs> like in like, like surrounded by the bookshelves and yeah, and yeah. He's got like a little swimming pool in his little underground lair and. They're playing him almost like Hannibal Lecterish as well, especially in number two when he's like he's talking to the other prisoners and asking for his like classical music albums back and stuff like that. Like it's <laughs> it's so weird. It's it's such an odd portrayal of him um, that doesn't it feels the problem with it is like I think they make Superman feel so realistic and you you know you believe a man can fly, but I don't quite believe this man is a villain. It like exists like he's not. I have a feeling when it came to the second one, Gene Hackman refused to film with Richard Lester. Oh, okay. I have a feeling okay. that, like, so I don't, I don't know if he was meant to have more of a role in that film, and they kind of just used what they had. I quite like his role in the second film um, because remember. he basically plays a go-between. He plays he like he's, he's he's using Zod to kind of kill Superman, um, but like at the end when like Superman wins, Lex Luthor's there going, "There, yeah, see, I was on your side the whole time," kind of stuff, like. <laughs> Um, there's also the most ridiculous prison break with a hot air balloon as well in the second film. <laughs> so but anyway, it does get Ned Beatty out of the film. Ned Beatty's not in the rest of it. <laughs> are we now at the point where he saves Lois from the, from the helicopter? Yeah. Which I love this bit. I love him getting his coat stuck in the toilet. I love how like he's going up the lift. But it's the most iconic bit of the film. It's over an hour in, and we get to see Superman emerge basically. Like, and it's it's great. There's a loose cable, and the the helicopter starts spinning out of control, and I feel like Lois could be a little more, you know, a little more kind of agency to herself, a little yeah. more. Um, I like the fact that on fine, top of the like, building, they've got like a little airport. Like, little for the heli- I know. And it's even got like a little, 
a little waiting room. Waiting room with a vending machine and all. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is, what is world is this? Is this the one where is he jumps it? out the window and his suit just kind of appears on him? Or is that later on? No, no. This is properly... This is a such a long build-up. And it, like the plane, the airplane's spinning and then you see Clark coming outside and like all bumbling and everyone's looking up. And he slowly looks up and sees it. And this is the one when he's tr- he rushes to a phone booth to change. Yes, but it's yeah, one yeah. of those modern phone booths. And it hasn't got like a door on it. <laughs> so he um, so he ki- he runs across the road and he tears his shirt open and he runs into like the spinning doors of like the uh the office building and comes out of Superman. Um, it's great, <laughs> it's great. Like the music sells it and and like you've got me, who's got you is just a great line. And but Market Killer absolutely sells. Like um, and this is like the second meet cute. You've already had the Clark meet cute and then you have the Superman meet cute and it's Superman here is so like fuzzy and and relaxed and like yeah, yeah, yeah. warm like everything clark isn't at all like um he's really smug but he's really cheesy well, about well, it as well and the one thing like, we don't get in this film is um so there's like three clarks isn't, isn't there really you've got the superman clark you've kind of got the metropolis clark and then you've got the smallville clark sure so smallville clark is probably him who he really is i guess uh, i don't like those wording but with that that's no. a Quentin Tarantino thing. That no, I think that's this, so, that's the opposite. The Tarantino thing is that Superman is his real persona, and then he says that his Clark is how he views humans that they're weak and feeble. Yeah, that it's it's. What, so I don't agree I guess with what that. I'm saying is, I I never see it as like anything's a disguise. Um, like I I, I hate it when people are like Clark Kent's the disguise of Superman. I don't think um, that. I just think no, that the Smallville version is when he's like his truest form, like when he's like sure, but that's the that's like more like he is with Lois alone. Yeah, yeah. So when it's just like Lois and him hanging out in the apartment once they're married and stuff like that, yeah, that's more him being relaxed. But I just don't. It's just this kind of I hate the like that's his view of humanity stuff or that's his yeah. Science. No, it's I just agree. Like, that's I don't like that. It's just coding, you know, like it's it works with Batman a little better because Batman's a psychopath. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but Su- Superman, it's just coding and everyone has coding in their lives. You know, like you're a different person around your parents or your oh, girlfriend's parents, or yeah, like, yeah. you know, w- when you're at work and stuff like that. Like, um, it's just normal. I don't like like I don't like when people read too much weird. But you're always your truest, though, when you're at home in your sweatpants and you fart yeah. in front of the TV. That's <laughs> in your pants. Truth. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> Uh, what we get yeah you get like a really extended flying scene here as well which made me laugh um they're really just showing off the visual effects because he, he like you know he says bye to lois i'm a friend bye and then he just flies around for a bit doing things so he the kind montage of, like, is my favorite bit, though like you've kind of got the guy climbing at the skyscraper yeah and, like, yeah yeah the weird kind of like i don't know jewel thief yeah and he catches him <laughs> the little girl who then he saves the um the cat. Save the cat. Then the girl goes into goes, I just met a man who could fly. And the mum slaps yeah. her. And the mum slaps her. I was like, what is this? A nice bit of child abuse in my so Superman imagine should have flown back in then. You just yes. see the mum being kicked out of the house or something. You should have. Like uh, Flintstones. <laughs> That's what 1930 Superman would have done. Straight in there, yelling at her. Um, that is a bad... What's, he... What's that guy say? That is a badass suit. That's that a badass suit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you get the plane crash, uh, which the the engine blows out and um, then the plane's <laughs> rocketing. The one pilot's and... like, you won't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> and he's like, 
he goes what's happening what's out there and the pilot's like just just keep flying don't pay any attention to it don't worry about it like um which obviously they redo this plane crash kind of thing in um superman returns returns yeah which is the only interesting bit of that film i think yeah i, I i've got a slight soft spot for returns i don't think it's quite as bad as i thought it was oh when I've watched i watched think it's shot but in 1080p so it, it's it'll never look any better than that uh, that's true, and I think it yeah. was quite. I don't know if it's the uh, the encoding or the grading on the Blu-ray, but I think it looks quite muddy and a bit murky. And I don't like okay. the Superman suit. He's got very small. No, on, I don't like suit. And he's got yeah. a very tiny S. And yeah, I he's don't got a really I tiny S. Think yeah. Brandon Ruth is quite good. I think, I think Brandon was great. Yeah, yeah, like and great I, casting again. He just Lois Lane wasn't very good. No. Uh, I like. I, d- uh, I didn't like the. I didn't like Superman being like an absent parent. It's yeah. just a silly. Don't put it in there. Like it's just not needed. We don't need to think about this so much. I liked but... Skeletor as Perry White. Um... Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Perry White gets a lot to do in this film as well. I like him like, in this. Yeah, he, he's he's not the um, the Lois and Clark one who was obsessed with Elvis. He's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm son in law. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else? Plane crash. Now Superman's big news, and he's all in the papers. And Perry White's really angry because they sh- it was in their building that Superman appeared, and they should get the top story and stuff like that. And uh, so, like Clark sets up a date in Lois's apartment, which is kind of funny. Yes. Um. And uh, the interview, the interview on the rooftop scene is just all flirting. Like it's just oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, all what, it is. What like, colour pants am I wearing? He's like, well, I can't yeah. see through lead. You're standing by a lead. But um. Reeves, like when she walks away and he's like pink and she's like what 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 and he's like pink and she's like and she's, do you like pink <laughs> and then she's like uh, he's like smoking is bad for you and she goes what lung cancer and he scans her like, not yet don't tell me you're one of those lung cancer types yeah <laughs> this is leading it to my least favourite part of the film though yeah it is uh, but it's it's I love this bit the chemistry is great I love this like bit. um Truth, justice, in the American way, and you know the I I never lie stuff, and then he takes a flying, which has been parodied a hundred times. I don't it mind. It is kind of great. I don't until... mind him taking a flying. It's the fucking voiceover. <laughs> yes. So like, basically, like it goes on a little too long. The flying scene. Uh, when she slips out of his hands at one point, and he zooms down to catch her, and that should have been the end of the flying scene. Except they have a very extended sequence where there is a soliloquy inside of Lois's head. Well, I could work out if he could read her mind. I'm like, have they created a new power for Superman where he can read her mind? (laughs) And it's it's the it's it's um I can't remember the the term she keeps repeating. But basically, this was a song in the original script, and Margaret Kidder was meant to sing it. Oh God! Yeah, and so that's why the dialogues really. Um, poetic, and it kind of rhymes, and it kind of has a like a mo- like a weird like music musicality to it, uh, which I think makes it even weirder in like in the scene now because it's it's just her saying words in her head that weirdly makes a poem. I just um, think it's brutal. It's, so it's yeah, it is brutal. It is, and, and it goes on and on. Like, I can deal with cute faces looking at each other like. <laughs> But like yeah. it's just it's turned it to the max, and you're like, well, that's it. That bit when he catches her again, 
and holds it and they look at each other at that point perfect like they like they both are in love and their puppy dog eyes and whatever end end the scene at that point it's fine you didn't then need to do that for another five minutes you know their hands get further and further apart until they're kind of basically holding hands yeah i get that he's strong enough to hold her up with his she's, finger, she's yeah. got to still use her body strength <laughs> to hold to, to hold herself up <laughs> so she should just be flopping down really like, basically yeah i yeah. don't understand why she's the way know. they treat this is the same thing in in Superman two, which is one of the things I don't like about it. When like Superman two kind of lo- he loses his power, he goes into a little chamber and loses his power. He loses his suit, <laughs> like yeah. he, like he's like and he just he comes out of it dressed in like human clothes. Like there's some weird element to this where his suit is the special power. So it's almost like because he has the suit on. Like it was like an aura around Lois Lane that allowed her to well, fly or something. It the, it's so the, weird. Like, wasn't it in some comics that his suit has like a protective kind of? I think uh, I think it's been. I don't know if it's in the comics, but it, I think it's like fans have always joked about in the fact that he has like an aura that means like, yeah. like that's why his suit doesn't get scratched. Yeah. So he, yeah, it goes over his suit basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, like he's glowing like a star. Well, like as well, like, like the but, suit in but, you know, well at least the cape is is what he was kind of shrouded in shrouded in yeah so it could just be some i just always think of it as some like great textile from the future planet you know krypton or something like well like in man of steel it's kind of like the ambassador clothing which you know when they're on the the ship you see like various different like yeah yeah i think and it's like that's one of them and though i am a big fan of mark kent sewing it that's my favorite thing in the new adventures of superman or Lois, yeah, yeah where she makes the suit and i love that and i swear I that in too. that show she makes one that looks like captain america oh she might do yeah 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 because like they gag. go through different yeah little little gag because it's, it's a little easter egg sitcom but it's like a you know it's like a it, you... yeah it was a yeah it was a prime time drama like rom-com basically. yeah and like you know they yeah. kind of hammed it up a bit apparently the new show is called lois and clark isn't it or lois and... yeah i think they're going for the same thing as well but it's. I think he'll probably take himself a little bit more seriously. I don't. Which I think, think it might be a mistake. I think they go back to Smallville and they've got to take over the farm or something. Again, I'm not <laughs> going to watch this show, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. <laughs> you just can't help knowing about it. Yeah, it's, it's like... just yeah. Uh, Lois names him Superman. Yeah, uh, she does. So yeah. yeah, so Clark comes in now and Lois names him Superman at this point. And, and this is, I think, one of the best bits that Reeves does now. So, like, she walks in, she's like all giddy and she walks into the bedroom and he's on his this own. This is great. It's see, one like... shot. She fl- yeah, he flies yeah, yeah. off and it follows her and then he's at the door. He's at the door, yeah. Um, And the camera swings around to a mirror and she goes into the bedroom and watching Clark, he goes to tell her that he's Superman and he straightens his back. He kind of puts his shoulders back. He takes yeah. his glasses off, and he looks completely different in that. Like, and and the the fact that you see it in that kind of just little kind of motion of his just his physicality, and then and a smug little grin or something, and he and he just looks like Superman again, even though he's wearing like a suit. Um, and then he kind of stops himself, and he shrugs his shoulders back again, and they just go off for dinner. Um, I I love that little bit. I was just it, it just made me love like Reeves and watching Reeves really. Um. Because he knew what he was doing with it. Uh, yeah. Lex 
I think we cut to Lex now, and it's all about his jealousy and motivations and stuff. I don't know. There's not really much to say about it, Lex here. It kind of goes back and forth now between like him setting up his plan to kind of try and get his the, w- the real estate plan, yeah, and uh, getting the the codes to the to recode in the the rockets or whatever. Yeah, that's which they do a two different versions. Bit. The first one where like they they fake that... a car crash and she's like outside of it and then they fake a car crash and then ned Beatty crawls into it and doesn't do it correctly yeah so then the next one they lux luther and ned Beatty pretend to be like lost truckers that's it and she crawls up the bridge and climbs into the missile to reprogram it doesn't she it's a oddly oddly placed humor there's a bit where she's pretending to be in a crash and she's lying down yeah and, um, yeah and then he's a para paramedic and he yeah and all the troops are like leering at her and can't want to do like cpr and well no and it's the head when he goes La- i i better take this one you know yeah, i'm in charge i need to grope her <laughs> like and all the troops like form a little wall around so no one can watch what's going on yeah it's weird. very weird very odd um then after that luther contacts superman for i i like this bit with the little kind of all like supersonic yeah, yeah. yeah any dogs and him can hear it uh, Luther explains his whole plan. He's making a lot of money by making real estate on the West Coast. Um, he's going to do a big earthquake on the San Andreas Fault. Uh, classic stuff. Um, Luther's actually just distracting him now. Why it actually happens? Um, oh, and he sets off two missiles so he can't stop both of them. And he has kryptonite as well, so he has a little necklace of kryptonite that he hides in a box and throws on Superman and then. And then chucks him in a pool, and Superman starts drowning. And like, there's a deleted scene which is actually in the extended version where it, there's like all rail guns and stuff like that shooting at him as he's making his way towards. Um, oh, okay. Luther's lair, and they cut that out, and it's a shame because it looks really good. But That's like, a shame. Yeah. I like it when he opens the door, and then Luther just goes, "Come on in, the door's open." <laughs> yes, that's right. I forgot about that because I just keep thinking of Ned Beatty going, I think he's here, Mr. Luthor. I think yeah. he's here, Mr. Luthor. Uh, it's good. And they're good together. Like, you know, it's their only was... scene apart from the end when he like t- delivers them to the prison together. That's yeah. The only scene it's a shame. Um, they do play off each other really well, though. Um, but I guess like that's the thing with these films. They only had Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman for like a limited for... amount of time. Yeah. So they probably could only have a certain amount of scenes with them together, I guess. Yeah. Um, Eve Tashimaka, she her nan lives in Jersey. So yes. She doesn't want the bomb to go off there. Uh, or his mom, or whatever. And there's a very weird kiss scene here. Before she <laughs> kisses her, before she takes off yeah. the... the before she line. takes off the thing. And he spends, instead of just like racing to save the bullets, he spends quite some time sitting and talking to Eve Tashimaka. <laughs> and he kind of like, come on, like you know, there's a missile coming. Uh, he promises to her that he'll save the East Coast one first because uh, of his mom, her mom. So he does that and chucks the missile into um space. And then we um we see like there's a good sequence though where he kind of goes over. Is this the one where he goes over the the train bridge and like he's he becomes yeah. So you see the impact of like the missile and Superman. He he goes like into the Earth's crust first. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's rebuilding the core somehow. I don't know, really know what he was doing there, but he, he, he saves somehow Jimmy like Olsen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
the school bus flies off the Golden Gate Bridge, um, and he saves that. That's and all the model train... shots. It looks great, though. It looks great, doesn't it? I was going to say the bit with the dam is all just like models, and it's well, all just like. Well, what's amazing about that is because the one thing you can't miniaturize is water, sure. so it's got to be quite sure. a big miniature to do that effect. Because you and can't like, scale you down can... water. You can't scale down water. Yeah, you'd be right. Uh. The Hoover Dam collapses. He he sits as the train line. He he um he uh, stops the explosion in the factory. He saves Jimmy Olsen from the Hoover Dam, and he stops the tidal wave in the little model from wiping out the neighborhood. Uh, it's obviously a, it is obviously a model. You can tell it's a model, but it's just really great. I really loved it. Um, but he what he can't do is get to the car in time and save Lois. So like, then the car gets crushed in that huge fault, and she dies, which. I think it's kind of shocking that they actually do kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the first film, like, um, they give it time as well. Like, he's properly distraught and he's properly angry. It's a good performance um, as well. Yeah, and I like Which, him flying off, like just fucked off. Yeah, ah! just fucked off. Yeah, and angry. Um, you can kind of see it. It would have made a little more sense at the end of two. Yeah. To do this because they would have built their relationship even more and. Yeah, and he would have known. They would have known secret identity and stuff like that at that point and things. Um, we, we must point out as well at the beginning, like when he's like when the young Kal-El's on his way to work. There's like voiceover by Marlon Brando, and he's saying, you know, do not mess with with the Earth's history or whatever yeah. something to that effect. So Which... I guess they set up the fact that you can time travel, but yes, <laughs> um, yeah, the time travel mechanic is the worst time travel yeah, mechanic in any like film it like, it's ridiculous well it doesn't like, make sense because then technically he hasn't fixed the other things <laughs> yeah so he's undone everything he's done <laughs> and only say i don't know it's weird i don't know yeah it doesn't make sense i guess it doesn't make any sense it doesn't all he would do by flying the planet backwards would like basically tear the planet apart <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's healthy for a planet uh but whatever, whatever. It's I think everyone jokes about this now and remembers that. But like, him kind of getting to Lois and then like Margaret Kidder like chewing him out there and yelling at her, like yelling at him. That's good. Like, and it cements that relationship more. I think. Jimmy uh, has the 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 audacity to have a go at um, yeah. Superman for leaving him in the middle of nowhere as well. <laughs> Do you yeah, know who, like he's a taxi service. You know who else? What else he's in? Young uh, Jimmy Olsen. I know. What? He's um, Marty McFly's brother in Back to the Future. Oh my god, he fucking is. <laughs> he is. Oh, you know, I always wear a suit to the the office, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a line that's always in my head, like always in my head. Oh, I thought I recognised him. I can't believe I never put that together before. Um, the film basically just wraps up here. He drops Lex Luthor off at prison and it just ends. <laughs> yeah, the warden has no idea what Luthor's done. Done. Yeah. like. And if he turned back time, did he do anything? Or oh, whatever. Um, exactly. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, theme ends and flying and it ends. And I still think it's pretty great. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. It's not perfect. It's not perfect stretch. at all, but I think it's like, a, I think it's just. It, I don't think he's aged that well, but I think what saves it sure. is, is Reeves' performance and 
Margot Kiddos and the music, I think, you know, those are timeless things that yeah. you can't take away from this film. And like, I think Christopher Reeves kind of, I wouldn't say he, you know, he beca- he is Superman still to many people today, to this day. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. And um, it's Which just a shame ridiculous. what happened to him in like 95 where, you know, fell off. Sure. He had an accident. Awesome. Yeah. And um, like, there's a sad comment on the, on the making of documentary because at the time of making that documentary they were uh christopher reeve was still alive and he's like in the interviews and stuff okay and uh, dick donner goes you know i once believed that um you know christopher reeves made me believe that a man could fly and i believe he'll walk again and it was quite sad mm. sad yeah. hearing that and obviously you know margot kidder as well she had quite a it's a kind of rough time, yeah, rough time, with yeah. mental health and, and drugs and stuff like that. I think she was homeless at one point. And yeah. Um, really sad. It is, it's a sad little note to the end of this film that, like, it, of what happened, really. But um, it's a shame. It got nominated for Academy Awards, won Best Visual Effects, but um, it, I, it didn't get nominated for Best Film, which I think is a, that's a misstep for, like, um, this year. There's, I think almost any of the other nominations you could replace Superman with it. That's a classic kind of Academy thing, really, which they still struggle with doing. But um, it's it's good. I think what's what was striking when I was watching it was what I was thinking about was the fact that like this film was made like forty years after the origins of Superman, like yeah. nineteen thirty eight. Uh, we're literally forty years beyond this film, yeah, yeah. so we're as far, far away from this film as this film was to the origin <laughs> of Superman. Insane. Um, and it's insane that it still kind of holds up, as you say. Like it doesn't, it has not totally stood the test of time, but it's still probably the best Superman thing that we have. Um, I and think... it changes Superman as much as like any other thing did. You know, like it. At the legacy of Superman or what we think of Superman, like and Christopher Reeve's performance and stuff like that. Well, I think the had problem such a is big impact. So the first two acts of this film are almost like a film in itself. Yeah, yeah. And then then the other act is like a film in itself, but it's all kind of rushed together. Well, the last, I'd say it's rushed because you've still got an hour and a half of sure of sure of their romance and stuff like that, but it doesn't feel fully paid off by the end of the film and i guess that's because they knew they had the second film yeah that's because they didn't write it as one film yeah and i think it's it's donna's credit that this film works yeah really it's you can like it's his pushing to get something on screen and making sure that it kind of stood up i think he was fired after the release of the film so they saw how successful it was and then they fired him after that and the writer claims that if he reckons that if the film wasn't successful, they would have hired him to do to finish it off. Huh. <laughs> Maybe. And the stuff that I I've, I have watched the Donna cut. I don't think it works for Superman two. I'm not right. a massive fan of it. Uh, it's the reason because is there isn't a complete film to make. Um, that you can't do a Donna cut because they didn't film everything he wanted to film. Yeah, so, so it uses it, like, some Leicester footage and stuff. It uses Leicester... Well, I don't know if it actually uses any Leicester footage, but because it doesn't use any Leicester footage, it kind of doesn't right. work. Well, Because pre- it's still they, empty, you don't know. Did they put the ending of the first one at the end of that one? No, but they don't... There's stuff they don't have it in it. I, I won't be able to remember the top of my head. It's different, but it's they didn't recut it entirely how it would have been done. Right, okay. Um, 
it's 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 like a cut of an unfinished film really is what the donner cut was right, for me. Okay. and you get echoes of yeah it would have been a better film i think is really what you get from it but not much like and it's just the thing about superman 2 the beats of it doesn't work the the, the pacing of it doesn't work so much i mean the fight um, the fight in metropolis is pretty cool it's wonderful, yeah, um, I love it. But I yeah, hate yeah. the fight they have in the Fortress of Solitude, and he like for some reason it's he awful. pulls off his S, and it's like a saram wrap, like yeah, S and he which is it. that's not in the Donner cut, and it wraps <laughs> around. You know, that's totally like a Richard Lester kind of gag. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's weird because Superman three is just like it's like if I remember, like Lois Lane is only in the beginning bit of that film, and she's like written mm-hmm. out of it, and yep. And it's like almost like it's like, it's one big long joke film. It's it's more of a a vehicle for um, the comedian. What's his name? I would have told you what his name was up until a second ago. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Yeah. And you know. Yeah, they, there was. They do the whole office space as as kind of thing, and that film. It's uh, as far as I understand it, basically everyone was so pissed off that Donna was fired that most of the cast didn't want to do it. So that's yeah. why Margaret Kidder and that doesn't really get any time in it. Um, that George, I mean Reeves didn't have much choice, but really they they had you know Richard Pryor on to do a film and they wanted to do a film with him. Um, well, I think he basically was on a Tonight Show kind of thing, and someone asked, yeah, him, said, what do you want to do next? He goes, oh, I want to be in Superman. So they heard that and they're like, right, let's make it about this, make him like the main character then, because and there's almost something I can credit them for is the fact that they just went so like a buddy comedy for like the third film is so kind of out there that I kind of respect it in a little <laughs> weird way uh, but it, the film's awful the film's goddamn awful I was going to say the only re- and then the only reason they made four is because uh, they gave Christopher Reeve um, writing oh it. yeah he came with the story didn't he and he's he like I want to solve nuclear war yeah. <laughs> and in a lot of ways four shows a lot more promise but four was such a mess of production it's more mess than anything else that you can imagine well i think um, that budget was just slashed in like a third yeah because like, they did a film called raise the titanic that i think like took yes. all their money and they basically couldn't give it to superman then which and going back that was both canon films who were kind of like reckless filmmakers a bit like the sal kinds kind of and so yep. just sold the rights to them and it and yeah, they kept on slashing the budget whilst shooting stuff was like written to be shown and it wasn't fi- wasn't actually filmed and stuff like that. Like it was cobbled together as like a as like a um as as like a plot as like a film at the end of it. And I um, think it, Metropolis is like his Wales. They shot in Wales or something like. that. It's really yeah, something like that. <laughs> like you go from New York City to Wales as, as you like, you know, as your setting. And then um, like there's a bit where I think I haven't seen this film. But I know there's a bit where he fix he fixes the Chinese wall, you know, the Great Wall of China, and he yes, does it with his mind. Is, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit where he pushes the um, Leaning Tower piece back up. Oh, into a street. Um, it's really funny. I was I thought this about when I was watching um, uh, Superman two with the with the the um, stat, Statue of Liberty, not that the the Eiffel Tower. Uh, there's this thing about like the opening of globalism in like the seventies and eighties, where like every country gets melted down to a landmark yeah like and <laughs> big like ben. yeah big ben and leaning tower of pizza 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 
is one of those things that was in every fucking cartoon that we watched as a kid. Yeah. Like, and it was like, it had to be in it. Like, and the Great Wall of China had to be in it and stuff. It was like, it was like the, like, we, it's like we'd learnt about the world, but we hadn't really learnt about it. We just learnt that there were things <laughs> about that we can recognise. And writers just were like, oh, yeah, Leonard Tower Pisa, that's Italy. Like, we've got Italy in there now. It's, it's so funny how, like, we don't do that anymore. Like, I wonder when the last time the Leonard Tower was in anything. Mars attacks probably or something. <laughs> I don't know. Probably, yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I th- it was one of those things. It was like drowning in quicksand. It was like I know that Leaning Tower piece is really important. It's one of those important monuments that exists in the world. So like I know after three they did stuff they did Supergirl, didn't they? But they also did the uh, Santa Claus movie. Which they did if you watch Claus that movie. film, it's basically kind of Superman. <laughs> why <laughs> if you want like it. lex luther is basically john lithgow he's kind of yeah okay and, yeah know, even the flying sequences i think they probably even use shots from superman that they kind of just put the bloody sledge on over the top and you know <laughs> that film is treated like a superhero origin it's really bizarre you're right it's very bizarre and it's got is it dudley moore that's in it yeah is so it? dudley moore kind of replaces your richard pryor in that one and richard like, pryor yeah it's like the, the comedy kind of Weird film. Weird films. Yeah. So what's um what's your ranking or any final thoughts? Or well, this is a film that I don't it wasn't like for me a Ghostbusters or a Star Wars and that that I watched a lot when I was a kid. I, yeah. Like I said, I'd watch the third one or the second one, it was on telly a lot, but um so I don't really have like a great deal of nostalgia for it, but I do enjoy it, but I'd I'd probably say it's a three and a half for me. That's fair. But I do I enjoy think it. I'm a four. Yeah. I think I'm a flat four, really. It's um it was I really liked coming back to visit it again. Like, actually. I'm glad that we did it because it is totally a film that for me exists in my head more than me knowing it. And I and I saw like as I said earlier, I've I confused one and two in my head massively. Um so it was nice to kind of sit down and watch it as a complete film, mm-hmm. really. And um and experience that. And I was surprised in how much stuff got to me. Like, you know, the chills in the back of my neck when he runs across the street and pulls his shirt open and stuff and the themes building and things. And, yeah. You know, Park Kent dying and stuff. I was surprised how much stuff was working for me, even if it's a little hokey by today's standards, probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, at that time, though, this was probably, like, as far as big budget films go, it's probably very kind of taking itself very seriously, even yeah. though you still have the bumbling Ned Beatty and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's, it was the biggest film at the time. Yeah, um, I think it was. I know it was Warner Brothers' biggest film. For, for yeah, many it years. was the most expensive film ever made for a long, for yeah. quite a time. What was the budget on it? 50, almost sixty million, I think. It wow, was. really? Which is incredible. Like, um, and it shows. I mean, it's an epic, and it does hold up enough. You know, like whereas there's nothing other superhero stuff from this time that holds. I wonder up how much all. of that money. So it says fifty-five million, but I wonder how much Superman two. Good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it. that breaks down. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But, it's but I mean, always it always seems the case with Superman that the production, like, there's so much pre-production earlier on that costs hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds. Like, you know, we're talking about the Tim Burton one. They even built sets and costumes, yeah. and they were literally ready to start filming. But I think it, what may have stopped that was like, um, like a, like a. Uh, actor strike or some sort of strike may have. Oh, I thought it was one of the writer strikes or something. Yeah, and it, and then after that, kind of they just thought, "Now nah, fuck it." But like, 
I'm pretty sure they were building sets and all kinds of stuff for that. And like, you know, so by the time that Man of no, Re- photography. Uh, so by the time that Superman Returns came out, they'd already spent many millions, which kind of went into the cost of. Oh, it still counted, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Superman Returns was something like three hundred million. Because it's technically or still the it? same production. Because the yeah. same people, like I think. The producer was the guy who did Batman, and I've forgotten what his yeah, name is. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, he somehow yeah. got the rights into Superman and was had his very like his idea of what Superman was, and he's like, apparently he said, "I don't want Superman to fly because it's too faggy," <laughs> and it's like not my words, his words. Sure, sure, and, sure. Like if you, no, it was no suit, no tights, no flying, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like well, saying, you've just taken away everything from Superman, or no cape or something. Yeah, it's done. The part I think was what I was trying to get through by doing a bit of the history up until this film of the serials and stuff like that is the fact that the rights of this ownership of this thing is messy as hell, yeah. and it's one of the only characters that exists like that. Like the, the like this is a new thing that these right, these characters exist in copyright for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, this was never a thing before. You know, it's not been a problem with any other book or anything. This is a Superman thing. Like and you know Batman little less, but really Superman has been like such a such a kind of I don't know hot potato to be thrown around between different studios and different like people and different like like families and stuff and well like and there's the... so much like personalities in that that I think any time they come to do Superman there's like a fight. Well, like the the creators weren't even acknowledged for many years, were they? And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It was Wouldn't only, even get it's only fairly it, recently yeah. that they kind of got their yeah. names on the films and. The court case that went to their then their favour was only like two thousand and four or five or something like that, and I remember at the time in geek circles they were really anti them because they thought it was going to take Superman away from the <laughs> like kind of thing. And it's like these people, as we said earlier, they got one hundred and thirty quid for this character, and that's yeah. it. That's all their family ever got for this like, character. I get, like, I, I guess at the time they were like, you know, it was just a job for them. But you, yeah, yeah, you, you have to reward. I think you still have. To, if someone does some. Regardless of whether you pay someone for their job, I think if something is successful and has yes. gained you a lot of money, you you owe them a cert, like some respects or yeah, you owe them something because without them doing that, you'd have had you wouldn't have it. And I think well, it's like I, I didn't go into it as well, but this wasn't a job they were hired to just do a comic for. They weren't okay. like. Because this this was a character they had been writing between themselves for like or like I think since nineteen thirty three, so it was even five years or so that they've been writing stuff. So they were just excited think, to be able to give them the opportunity to to, of, to do it, to yeah, do to it, get yeah. their character out there. I think the original story was called Reign of the Superman, and he was like, it was not the Superman we see today, but by like a little later, the sketches where like the Superman character comes through, you know, until they got it into the into action comics. So it's not fair to say like that DC should have, you know should be able to be the only ones to profit from that. And it is fair that at least eventually they got, you know, some credited that like, they had a huge influence on this. I think it's changed now, but several years ago, I think it was almost the case of they had to have a Superman film in production at some point or constantly yeah. in production because otherwise they'd lose they'd lose rights to the it. rights. Which I think they I think DC fully own it now, I have a feeling. Yeah, I think it was part of the court case with the Schuster and Schuster. Yeah, definitely um, a point. That's why they constantly kept having one in production, so be it the uh, the Tim Burton one or yeah. the J.J. Uh, Abrams one or the yeah, G yeah. one or whatever the one was. The G one, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think it's... I want to see more Superman. And, like, it's... I, want, I do want to see... I want to see Henry Cavill do a Superman script that's written for Superman. Yeah. Uh, I want to see it. Like, 
Like, who do you think would make a good Superman film? Like, who's a filmmaker <laughs> that could? I that's a, such a good question. Like, um, honestly, oh, honestly, um, uh, what's his face? Oh, <laughs> I can't yes, remember his name. Right, Ryan Johnson would probably nail it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, fans fucking hate him, don't they? Yeah, but fans can go fuck themselves. But like, I know I agree. I think he, I think he, I think he could do it. And I think you know he, you know we. I mean, me and you both feel the same way about um, Rise of Skywalker. I think a lot. Sure. Not Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, uh, Last Jedi. <laughs> Last Jedi. Um, but we do feel, feel the same way about Rise yeah. of Skywalker as well. But, um, <laughs> but like, I think fans were misguided in that. Like personally, I think they kind of took the wrong message away from that film. Yeah, and they just wanted fan service. Yeah, um, which that's, is the, most people in like, like, and that's yeah. Well, most of them though for that fucking end scene of uh, Rogue One when Vader's going yes. all, which yes, is my least favorite scene. Of yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's cool as fuck, but yeah. Like, but no, I think that's a really good shout. I think I'd love to see a Ryan Johnson. Uh, I think what I like about Ryan Johnson is he brings a lot of humanity to the films. Yeah. Um, like Knives Out, uh, Looper, uh, Brick. There's a lot of like kind of like grounded elements to it. In the same way with his Star Wars, like um, Luke Skywalker felt like a real character in Last Jedi. Like and and he felt well rounded and stuff. Much better than any on the sequel. Um, and I think bringing that humanity to a picture is what you want for Superman. Yeah, definitely. Rather than rather than just the visuals, which I think is that's the problem with Zack more than anything else. Yeah. Agreed. Right then. Um, so, right then. <laughs> it might be a couple of weeks until we record again because I'm busy with work. Yeah, we got some messy schedules as yeah. well. Uh, but what, what's what, what's the what, what's what's happening next then with the podcast? Yes. Yeah, so we've finished up with our um, 1970s series, and we're going to start a new mini series. We've decided to jump again in the back and take another go back another 20 years. Um, so we're going to go to the 1950s. Which will be crazy for me, like, because we're talking a definite different era of movies yeah, now yeah. compared. Like, seventies is still kind of modern um, filmmaking. It's just the dawn of it. Fifties is different type of filmmaking. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. And at least I do have quite a love for fifties films, the ones I know of. So kind of looking forward to it. But we're going to start with the 1950 film Rashomon. Awesome. Uh, which should be absolutely fucking cool because I've only ever seen Seven Samurai, so my Kurosaga's lacking. So like, I'm really. I think we're to still going to do like a little wrap up show, like a little bonus one of like yeah, like yeah, our yeah. awards for this for this series. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like doing another series of uh, films for another decade. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, but um, fun. yeah. So as always, good chatting to you, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> um, don't forget, if you can, please rate and review and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to. So Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon. Is it Amazon Music? Amazon, Amazon Music. Yeah. Um, what's the other one, Ron? YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. Yeah, yeah you YouTube, can reach... Yeah. Stitcher. If yeah, Stitcher. Stitcher. You can reach out to us on uh, Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track with a YR, not a your. And yeah, don't forget, if the picture's bad always adjust your tracking. Mm-hmm.